Hi, I'm Joe Lynch, director of such cinematic classics as Wrong Turn 2, Knights of Badastum, Everly, and of course the new film, Mayhem. And when I'm not masturbating to Sasquatch porn, I'm listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Ooh, it feels so good. Out of your consciousness, like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that, much like life, always finds a way. My name is Greg D. Um, I'm um, Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're heading back into the mouth of March Madness as we welcome some of our favorite podcasts to help us break down the surviving horror classics from our 1993 <laughs> bracket. And whether you've written under a pen name or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your shaving table hole. <laughs> and as this episode is going to be releasing, or I should say, you can find us out being shady on social media, uh, being shady on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and forbidden book shenanigans all, all over the place right now. <laughs> and this episode is going to be releasing on Friday, March 17th. If you find yourself in the Kansas City area, head on over to screenland.com where they will have your non shady shenanigans taken care of indoors and virtually. And the Friday this episode is releasing genius mm-hmm. in continuation of our celebration of women in horror, and are continuing... Speaking of shaving tables... ...of celebration of Into the Mouth of March Madness, uh, a movie that did indeed participate in 2017's Into the Mouth of March Madness and is definitely what I call a litmus test film. If you know it, you know it. Mm -hmm. If you don't, we hope you know it. Uh, 1987's Near Dark. It's going to be so fucking rad, dude. So rad. Anytime Near Dark on the big screen... Good stuff. It's, Good stuff. And again, hopefully, ideally, get enough of you out there. Get us moved to Theater One. See at large and in charge. But looking forward to the following Fridays, Friday Night Fright. Mm-hmm. Uh, large and in charge is kind of the way to take it. Oh, yeah. Continuing celebration of women in horror and hopefully not getting too creeps and nostalgia. Uh, but a film that is celebrating its 20th year uh, of terror and another one that was an honorable mention for this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness Tournament. 20th year of latex and leather. <laughs> a great combination for Genius McGee. We are, of course, going to be taking in, Le- was it Len Wiseman's mm-hmm. Underworld? Mm-hmm. It, it feels weird to see leather and a female fatale not being directed by, like, an Anderson for the most part. There's just <laughs> something wrong with that. It's just, but... Paul Thomas or Wes or any Anderson. Your favorite Anderson. Okay. Yes, absolutely. The the true Paul Anderson. Now, looking at the other repertory screenings that are happening uh, the weekend of the 17th, a movie that I did see in the theater, uh, technically kind of launched a franchise. And given the Jennifer Coolidge goodwill right now, it's a grand time to take in Legally Blonde. Oh, yeah. The movie's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I haven't seen the sequels. 
Yeah, me neither. Okay, I'm not sure yay or nays on the sequels. Uh, okay, okay, that's fair, that's fair. Maybe the stay with the OG. Now, one that was just recently announced, and I've I've seen it one time, didn't see it in the theater, and I'm still kind of trying to deal with the head trauma from it, uh, but Darren Aronofsky's Pie. Mm, pie. Not that particular kind of pie. Yeah. The kind that will stay with you. It is an earworm that you will be taking a drill. Whenever there's a pie and all the pies are there. Oh, no, wrong kind of earworm. How far out can you go with pie? Mm. <laughs> to do the song? Well, I was actually going to go with a number, but you know. Oh, 3.145783927481173485281. One, the rest, I'm making all that shit up. Okay, that's fair. That, and I did see someone else <laughs> playing along with you, so that is good. That is good. <laughs> now, the other one that is playing, and this goes along with uh, 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 the Anime Club, and again, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna throw a title out to you to see if you're familiar. Mm-hmm. The night is short. Mm-mm. But it sounds cool. And and is the night is short and dark and terrors are deep? Oh my lord. Cindy Margolis. Let's let's hope it doesn't go anywhere near that kind of territory. <laughs> I'd like to think Derek, who is leading the anime club, will not lead you wrong. Okay. I think you'll be in good hands. Now, of course, uh, if you don't live in the Kansas City area and you like what Screenland is putting down, if you're picking up what they're putting down, uh, a couple of ways that you can support them. Uh, you can head to screenlandonline.com where you can rent a number of films from them directly, or even better, become a member of their film family by heading over to scre- uh, patreon.com slash screenland, where amongst the many perks, uh, we actually offer up a little uh, watch party called Shutter Shoutout. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to announce, we will not no. be doing two in the month of March. <laughs> We're doing one. Just one. Uh, too much madness. Too much madness. Way too much madness. If we add... Too much on the plate. We're going to go mad. But that being said, on uh, Saturday, March 25th, uh, we're going to be watching both not Kane Hodder's WWE-sponsored film, See No Evil. Ooh, is it the one with uh, Marley Matlin? Not Hear No Evil. Is it the one with Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder? Not Hear No Evil, See No Evil. No, this is a newly released Danish film that is going to be a first-time viewing for both Genius and myself speak no evil of which yeah 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 we heard well we will be dealing with that yeah i mm-hmm, i i, I want to talk about that one but then uh we'll be following that up with another film that was new last year that i did take in that i'm anxious for you to see and i know our unseen guests here enjoyed it as well but travis stevens a Wounded Fawn. I want to talk about that one, too. And given that we just watched uh, Starry Eyes for our last Friday Night Fright, which was produced by one Travis Stevens, mm-hmm. he has made a hell of a run in indie genre horror as here as of late. Oh, yeah. He's right up there with Graham Skippy. <laughs> You're Graham Skippy. Now, of course, both of those are streaming on Shutter, but by joining the Screenland Film family, you're going to have access to a customized pre-show, a video introduction with Genius and myself giving you some facts and information, Vintage trailer reel and post-film discussion, of which we'll be wrapping our thoughts around both of those films. So if that sounds interesting, head on over to patreon.com slash screenland. But genius, I'm talking uh, Patreon and film family. Hey, belly. We also have a fantastic, wonderful, a, a humanitarian selection of people that are part of our own little film family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here in the month of March, we... 
I know might be possibly, potentially, slowing down a bit. Yeah, but we still got good stuff for you. Two two episodes a week on the main feed and all that other good stuff for the Pallies. And regardless of the tier that you enter, you're going to have access to all the stuff from the Shutter Shoutout and so much more. So we hope you come and join us because we do have a lot of good stuff. So head on over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead where amongst all the other things we're talking about, the most important thing that you need, the number one priority. Oh, yeah. Is the bracket. Oh, yeah. Because without the bracket... How are you going to play along? And we hope you continue to send in your completed brackets. And remember, show your work. Showing the work is all of the fun. But quite honestly, for me, all of the fun in Into the Mouth of March Madness, especially when we go beyond the first round, is when we start inviting all of our favorite friends Mm -hmm. and podcasters and artists and filmmakers and just all of the people that we've friends acquaintances just accumulated over the years through doing yeah. the show and we love to spread the love and in fact uh not only are our next guests uh both like near and dear to the show but i'm pretty sure if it wasn't for the podcast i would not know you all personally however weirdly enough through various friends and our acquaintances and places we all hung out we all guaranteed did these weird Pulp Fiction-like crossing each other's paths so many times back in the day that I love that we can all come together. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you can hear our guest uh, as they take a bi-weekly look into the world of newly released horror. Uh, please welcome back from the Carnage Report podcast, Julie Holland and Nick Spacek. Hello. Hi. Uh, good afternoon, good folks. How are you all doing today? Pretty good. Not so bad. Yeah, I believe, uh, Nick, you're a little on the mend. Is that correct? That's true. You can hear it in my voice. My wife says it sounds soupy, so I'm curious to you all what you mm, think it sounds soupy. like. <laughs> now, is are we talking like, is it like uh, chunky, like the soup that, you know, eats like a meal? Yeah, are we talking about like chowdery? Are we talking about like more <laughs> stewish? Are we talking about like broth? I think we're, I think we're thinking more like uh, tomato soup. Viscous. Yes. Cheese and broccoli, then. <laughs> that is fair. Well, you, regardless, man, I am glad that you were at least well enough to participate in this. And it is always good to see both of you. Now, before we truly get into the madness, please tell our listeners, where can they find you out on the uh, social medias? Please plug and promote away. We are at Report Carnage on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we don't have a Facebook presence, and that's okay. And you can email us at carnagereportpod at gmail. And you can find every episode uh, where you wherever you stream stuff, or you can find them at cinepunks.com. Yeah, that's and, our podcast network and our little family. Yes. And I will say this. I am part of your all's uh, film family at Cinepunks. And honestly, Nick was one of the first people that got me turned on to them because he was so complimentary back in the you're still complimentary, Nick, but one of the things that when Genius and I started Nerds, you're like, hey, you guys actually remind me a lot of these guys on Cinepunks. And so I started listening to them, you know, now listen to the horror biz, you know, that whole. So I'm glad you all found your way into that particular podcast network because your all sensibilities work perfectly with just how all of those podcasts play. So 
Con- congratulations on the continued success with that. And again, as someone that is also a listener, every other Thursday, you all accompany me on lunch. And it's, per- it's perfect because by the time I usually get to your review, I'm done with my lunch, usually time to wrap things up, and then I'll eventually hear your review on a walk with Charlie. But every other Thursday, it is in my rotation. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Thanks. So question, since you guys deal with all the new horror and all that stuff, if somebody can, like, I can only watch one movie, what is the most recent thing and what should they watch? For me, I would say The Outwaters, a found footage mm-hmm. movie that's on Screenbox. Uh, I got a subscription to Screenbox because it's like $26 a year uh, to watch that and another movie called History of the Occult and a weird Bollywood adaptation uh, knockoff of Scream called Shh. But uh, yeah, no, The Outwaters is a very terrifying, uh, like the scariest found footage movie I've seen in a while. It's like the opposite of Skinamarink. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. Um, Also, one we talked about recently that's on Shudder, most people probably have that is the uh, attachment. It's not the attachment. It's just attachment. I think we both really liked that. That was kind of an interesting, different one. Having recently watched the Outwaters, finally I saw that in the theater. The sound design in that is unfreaking real, and I found myself dreading the nighttime scenes with every <laughs> loud clash of the thunder. And then genius. Let me just tell you this. Dong. Oh, there's dong in the Outwaters. It found footage. Dong. And yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, as they're laughing, they know, they know. Is it finally like advent calendar? Like if a monster dong does monster stuff, because God damn it, every time there's a monster dong and it doesn't do monster stuff, that is like the biggest disappointment. Let's just say stuff is done to the dong. Oh, yep. Okay. Now, a question I also have for you all is one of my favorite things of the show is... Again, the the witty rapporté and, of course, you know, hearing about the new stuff that's coming up. But it's also the whole bit of you all getting to know each other and that opening segment that you guys have of getting to know your co-host. Because one of the things that I love with the show is, and like I mentioned, is you all ran in the same circles back in the day, crossed paths many, many times, but never really sat down to have these kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. And so to get to know you all and to get to have you all to know each other has been part, I think, of the natural growth of the show. So what I'm going to throw everyone out here is since we're all talking about 1993, uh, where were our co-hosts? Who were we in 93? And I know this is kind of rough for some of us, but I'll throw it out to you all. Nick, Julie, where were you all in 93? I was a huge nerd. Uh, I would have been 13. No. Um, like, uh, Like very much into like the librarians at the Leavenworth Public Library knew my name. Oh. Yeah. Like, and like four years later when I would graduate high school, they would, I got a card. Uh, so that, that sort of like, you know, hanging out, uh, I think I had a paper route, um, like hanging out with friends that I still hang out with today. Uh, and just, uh, yeah, definitely, very much watching a lot of the movies that we are going to discuss today. Um, like that was very much in my wheelhouse at the time. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I was the same age. So I was a semi-feral 13 to 14 year old in Emporia, Kansas, um, splitting some time in, when also in Hutchinson, Kansas with my dad on every other weekend. So yeah, middle school, that middle school to high school transition was happening right then mm-hmm. in 93 for me. Um, I am not going to say I was cool. That definitely wasn't true, but I wasn't at the library. I think that would have made me more cool. I was mostly just riding my bike all over town. And like I said, semi-feral, like gone as much as I could be without having a car yet. (laughs) It sounds like you were probably terrorizing your your neighborhood's versions of Nick when they were going to the library. (laughs) No, I never bullied. I never bullied. I was a very quiet, reserved kid. I did have a crew, so like... uh, like attack, you would have had to attack us all, and it probably would have been pretty easy to be honest. <laughs> you no, know, I, when it's... I would have never started anything. If I would have seen your crew, I would have been like, "Oh no, people, boys specifically," and ran away. <laughs> it's about that time that you start forming some of your your goof crews in that sense, because that's probably around the time you and Dustin. Genius. Oh no, oh, me and, right before then. Yeah, okay. so I would in. So me and Dustin met in middle school. We were like in maybe sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And then so about in 93, I would have been 15. My high school started in eighth grade. So I would have probably been about a year or two already in the high school. And I would have been that weird theater kid. (laughs) You know, the real, real over the top, real loud, (laughs) gregarious. Yeah. So just take genius now amp him up throw in some hormones throw a stage and you got you got high school you got 1993 genius wow that's intense actually 93 was a weird year for me not only again go back last episode that was the year i did lose my mom but that was also i was transitioning from like my mulleted phase to my more (laughs) alternative greg starts listening to ska a little bit more you know start picking it up so it was definitely difficult but like the party in the back got shut down <laughs> <laughs> but like go cops McCall. <laughs> but, like, but like you nick though i i i just found myself diving into all of these movies and it was in high school that i really rediscovered horror and there's some loving loving films that came in there now that being said the four films we are going to be talking here i love it when we get to this round and this level of the madness because then we have the first round matchups that come about because we plan them but then it's always interesting when we find the matchups that we're looking at here mm-hmm. and the first two that we have in the round of the scream 16 we have really two masters going up against each other uh, we have steven spielberg's jurassic park going against going up against george a romero's the dark half i'm going to throw it out to our guests which of these two masterpieces do we talk first I figure we probably. I figure we probably got to slay that dragon and just start with Jurassic Park. I mean, it's book versus book, so. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. again, yes, mm-hmm. that's the loving connection that can be made there. And book versus book in the next round too. Yes, yes. God damn, all over, <laughs> all over. So let me ask you all: What is your all's relationship with the king? Or in this, not not the king. Excuse me, uh, <laughs> the other king, the King Crichton, in this case. Well, I, I read this book on my very first plane ride in seventh grade. Um, that's too young to read Jurassic Park, by the way. <laughs> that's a little too young. But I was already reading Stephen King, and I so I read and so I did read the book before I saw the movie. 
and the book is scarier. Yeah. Say I mean same. Uh yeah, uh that was sort of my thing is that yeah, at this at this time I had read the book probably I was very hyped for it because I had read the book and uh, was also reading Stephen King and lots of other things that were probably age inappropriate um, before this came out. And uh, yeah, I saw this one in the theater, like mm-hmm, probably same. opening weekend. This, uh, this movie was my first date. It was a group oh. date because we didn't have cars. Group date. This was one of the rare family movie outings like my family did not like go to the movies like I went to the movies a lot as mm-hmm. but like our family didn't but this was one of the ones where it was like my mom my dad my brother my sister and I all went to go see this and that's my favorite part of this film in fact we started getting a little gruff with the inclusion and we knew we might with the inclusion of Jurassic Park as a horror film uh-huh and from mm-hmm. group dates to family gatherings, Spielberg gets everyone out, and then he pulls the thing and goes, It's a horror movie! Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! Right? Yep. Monster movies so are me, horror movies, man. Yeah, yeah, and let me throw this out to you all. Do you consider Jurassic Park a horror film? I mean, I don't commonly think of it that way, but it definitely is scary. There are people do get eaten by dinosaurs, so that's pretty scary. So, yeah, I, I'm on I'm on board. I mean, like monster movies are a weird sort of subgenre that falls somewhere in that like Venn diagram of like horror, sci-fi, and action. It's also a cautionary tale. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's one I knew we would get the backlash, but that's why I love Spielberg. Is he is just mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 uh, genetically altered creatures going around eating people. It's. It, it's so yeah. wonderfully horror. Well, it, just like uh, we hear, oh, Jaws is in horror. It's a shark eating people. It's a slasher film. Oh, um, what's another one that people say it's not horror? Uh, they're like, oh, uh, Aliens is in horror. It's a slasher film. 100% horror. Silence of the Lambs is in horror. It's serial killers killing people and eating them. That's horror. The Terminator. I think oh, 100% people- horror. Some people, once a movie becomes a blockbuster, it's not horror anymore. We all know those people, right? Those, the, you know, oh, it's not horror because I like it and I don't like horror. <laughs> those, that vibe. And that's why I love Spielberg so much is at his heart, he has always just been a genre filmmaker that never hesitates to amp up the intensity. The kids are in peril so much through this movie. Constantly, constantly. That, and even watching it to this day, that moment when the Velociraptor jumps up after her. In the vent, fucking my legs go up every time, every time. This time I still did it, knowing full in advance. And I will say this, Julie and Nick, it takes me back. It wasn't my first date per se, Julie. That was uh, Karate Kid Part 2 for me, and it was nice. also in a group setting. Uh, <laughs> but I I bet when Peter Cetera came on, it was magical. Hey, he, he will fight for my honor. <laughs> It's. I'm still almost chasing that dragon of that level of fear and intensity that I got that in 93 with Jurassic Park. I got that in like 96 with Scream. I got it in 99 with the Blair Witch Project. And it's those certain kind of films that always just make me seek out, I want to be scared like that. And Jurassic Park to this day still works for me that way. Yeah, I saw it three times in the theater, I remember, and every time, even when I knew it happens, even still to this fucking day when I knew it happened, 
whenever that scene comes up, I remember my legs going, whoa, and I remember seeing the first time with my entire family, right? Brother, mother, everybody. And I remember my mom screaming and throwing her popcorn up in the air to the point where it was comical. And so, like... <laughs> It's still super effective. And I never read the book because especially at that time, I'm more litter than literati. So like everything was new to me, but I was like, hey, it's that dude from Seinfeld. Then like, hey, it's that dude from in the mouth. It's that dude from in the mouth of madness, you know, because yeah, that's a lot of people's not first introduction to Sam Neill, but I definitely think that's the first thing that like cemented Sam Neill for a lot of young genre fans and Goldblum. I mean, he's been doing tons of shit, but I think this opened a lot of like Goldblum gateway for a lot of people. Well, and you might even be able to make the argument that this is right before he went like became a self parody where everything was open shirt and everything was just <laughs> sexy Goldblum. And it was still when he was kind of, you know, channeling character. So, how long is this one of those that you all kept? Well, like, I know with me, I don't seek it out to watch it all that often. Uh, when's the last time you actually took uh, Jurassic Park in? Last year, okay, oh, okay, yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. one that I actually rewatch a lot. I'm a, I'm a bit of a Jurassic Park stan. Even in adulthood, a few years ago, I had a Jurassic Park birthday cake. It was when the the first new one came out, Jurassic World, and I was so excited because it came out on my birthday. And question for you, real quick, Julie, because I you mentioned something on Patreon because you and I both had kind of the same experience at a Jurassic World Dominion. Oh yeah, where. You know, podcast of positivity, but that was tough. That was, and when you mentioned you had some issues with, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I yeah. don't feel so bad. And especially, I spent a, a good fan. portion of that movie under my breath, muttering, "Why do I keep doing this to myself?" <laughs> and I'll go to the next one too. I'll go to all of them. Get me dinosaurs, <laughs> even if it's yeah. a dinosaur car chase. I'm gonna watch it. I mean, that's why it. I watched Dominion is because I was like, dinosaur car chase? Yeah, that's what I've been wanting for. <laughs> so are they driving the cars that are being no. chased? Or... <laughs> that would make, I no, I would be more invested if the dinosaurs yeah. were driving the cars, yes. Because I would love to see like a Hal Needham Jurassic Park, you know? I mean, I feel like Blue deserves a car by this point. Or at least a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> But if you can give me the Carnosaur Run, I'm all about it. (laughs) (laughs) So there's two laws. There's the life finds a way and the law of diminishing returns. Yeah, yeah. Well, and honestly, though, the thing that never fails to draw tears from me and given both of your backgrounds in music, but the John Williams score. Oh, yeah. It's probably that one that you always forget. Oh, yeah. He freaking Mm -hmm. did Jurassic Park, but that theme. It's you hear great. that song and you just feel it. The dinosaurs are here. That was yes. when they put out uh, the first trailer for Jurassic World, where it was just like the the piano like version of the theme. I was just like, "Well, I'm in." Like, all right, fine. Like, uh, there there there's somebody on a motorcycle like running with raptors next. Up. Fine, yet yeah, take my fucking money. Like, mm-hmm. um, it was not as cool as that but i mean still i mean you could probably theme. put that theme with a non-dinosaur movie mm-hmm. and make it epic mm-hmm. like can yeah. you imagine like going back to like we weren't we're we not talking about it because jurassic park beat it but if you put the john williams score to carnosaur that would instantly elevate it like 10 more pegs i would have liked to have seen someone give john carl beekler a a uh, a winston kind of budget just let him go like full-on hog wild that to me is like the biggest 
crime in 93. But speaking of the budget <laughs> and the special effects, they still hold oh, up significantly yeah. well. We're t- 30 years down the line and they still look brand fucking new. Yeah, it and just, we had never seen anything like it at that time. No, there was no, we still we kind of haven't since. Yeah, it still holds up. It's still, and I will say, it is that combination of the CG and the practical. Because there's a practical fucking dinosaur there. There's a real fucking, well, not real, but I mean, when, real life size <laughs> dinosaur. When the T Rex comes crashing down through the top of that truck and eats through that 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 window, oh my god! To this day, that still freaks me the f out that is just so because it's real you know it's not ones Mm -hmm. and zeros but even the ones and zeros they work well Mm -hmm. i just i'm just shocked looking back at how well and it's it shouldn't be a surprise though i mean look at everyone that's involved this is what happens when you do invest in genre and again to me this is straight up horror but that's what i love about spielberg is he's just he's perfect that way it's he finds away Mm -hmm. that's just the Mm -hmm. way it works i don't know other thoughts on jurassic park i i could i every time i watch it uh, it is a movie that i'm just like oh it's still just as good as the first knowing what's coming next doesn't hurt any of it (laughs) i want to know even knowing what we know about what will definitely happen if a jurassic park place opened would you go yeah you know you know you wouldn't or would you? I want to see dinosaurs. I mean, <laughs> but I know that I know that as soon as I step foot in there, that's the day. Like where nothing can possibly go wrong. I mean, possibly go wrong. You possibly. Know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. But also, like worth it. I mean, we're all gonna go someday. Yeah, but I'm I mean, I'd rather dinosaur. That's a pretty epic way to go. I, sure, yeah. but I'd rather die in my sleep non-epic than like I die by a dinosaur. <laughs> Look in the Jurassic World, the first one, that babysitter who didn't do shit. She gets carried. She gets carried off by that uh, dinosaur while she's being ripped to shreds, flying away. <laughs> then insult to injury, salt in that wound. She gets eaten by a goddamn crocosaurus. So like. Yeah, that does have that's you not a, That's it. not a good way to go. See, no. <laughs> we go, we podcast the opening of one of those things. No. Just sweeps in, grabs you. See, we'd be like, hey, Nightmare Junkhead here, and we're boarding live from the new opening in Jurassic Park. My name is Genius McGee, and I'm standing in front of the giant octopus exhibit <laughs> where nothing can go wrong. What's that? A big crack in the window? Ah, then you hear, instead of like, you hear, and like now yeah so i I don't know if that's pro me going to jurassic park or that's con me going to jurassic park but either way i mean probably not good news if you have to die like an ironic death by squidly diddly would be appropriate i mean like a giant they're 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 you know Worst ways to go out than everybody kind of giggling a little when they find out they hear the news. <laughs> like, oh, he died as he lived by a giant squid. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You can just see a whole bunch of people around the funeral. He would have gone wanted to go out like that. <laughs> you know, just... It's what he would have wanted. <laughs> it's what he would have wanted. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Uh, that, thank you, Julie. I didn't see that going that way. And let's just say I'm just going. I'm holding out for a coupon day or a Groupon day for oh, a Jurassic Park. Oh, for sure. Park. There's no way any of us on our incomes could actually afford to visit this theoretical Jurassic Park. We couldn't even afford the the plane ride to get to 
there, let alone tickets to Jurassic Park. I don't even think we could get to like Carnosaur Park or <laughs> Asylum Park, whatever is, you know, the knockoff that would eventually come about. <laughs> Jurassic World's a fun. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I love the fact that, as uh, you both mentioned, uh, we are definitely looking at a matchup of uh, literature as going from Michael Crichton to uh, Stephen King, who, my lord, I, so much King this year. Lots of King. Bad. Lots of King. But the beauty, though, is occasionally when we get to introduce ourselves to new films, and I will say, uh, George Romero's The Dark Half with, was both a first-time viewing for Genius and myself. So I want to throw it out to you in terms of the book or the movie was this uh, stuff that was this uh, content that you were familiar with. This was a first time watch for me, and this is a book I didn't read, so yes. all new to me. Uh, I'm familiar with both, although I think I did. I, I, you know, I'd read the book a couple of times, uh, but I didn't think I don't think I saw the movie for the first time until like a couple of years ago. Did you pick up that Blu-ray that came out? That uh, Scream Factory? No, I think I just watched it on like Prime. Like I was just like, oh, the dark half. I haven't seen that one. Well, and so question then, Julie, and again, yeah, let's start with you, yeah, because we were both in the same boat. Why do you think this is one of those that you haven't sought out at this point? I honestly don't think I even knew about it. Somehow, I don't know how you guys always do this on the on the bracket. I get it, and I'm like, I feel like I've watched a lot of horror, and I've not seen half of this stuff. I don't know how it always happens. Surprise! <laughs> that I suddenly feel like a total fraud in the horror world, having not seen a, or heard of some of these things. But yeah, somehow I just missed this one completely. And so, well, since you've seen it for the first time, what did you think? I mean, I don't know that it holds up by today's standards. There's definitely the 90s all over it. Um, <laughs> when you get to the the dark the act the dark half a very andrew dice clay situation going on and i just don't think that you would style him quite that way if that movie were made today i think i don't know what he would look like but i don't know if he would have that same uh razor I, ramon andrew dice clay thing going on okay i 100 percent see the razor ramon <laughs> but like okay i did not see the andrew dice clay but i 100 percent see it now he's over there Do doing smoking the cigarette the <laughs> like little miss muffet sound cards in the way and then everybody's like and the other writer's like no 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 no, no stop it stop it stop it you can't write that <laughs> uh so nick what was it like coming back to this one um yeah like this is <sighs> I feel of the the four movies we're talking about today, like Jurassic Park is the timeless one, and the other three are like very like I'm like oh yeah this is this is this is from the early mid nineties like you can just like watch it and tell like there is that feeling of like CGI is just starting to find its way into things and it and there's like this. I'm not going to say cringeworthy style, but like there is a there is a very much a style that like the last three movies we're talking about all share. Like it's try hard E. Yeah, it's it's a vibe. Yes, it's it is. But I would say also it's very much the onion of the belt at that time as well. Yeah, it's just what you did. Um, mm -hmm. For me, I think the biggest surprise was looking at the cast and realizing how did I miss out on Michael Rooker yeah. as a good sheriff? 
like yeah he was he was the highlight for me and yeah and that's yeah do you have any like rooker baggage did you have anyone where you had that like rick dalton moment of like hey look who's involved i got excited when i saw beth grant i always get excited when i see her we never (laughs) doubt your commitment to sparkle motion exactly (laughs) it was so brief I was like, yay, Beth Grant, and then that was it. And I was like, okay, well, that was fun for a moment. <laughs> uh, I I forget how great Amy Madigan is in everything. everything. Yes. <laughs> I was just... She's way underappreciated. Well, I was uh, recommending Streets of Fire to a co-worker the other day, and I made mention that Amy... And it was Amy Madigan's in- inclusion that made them go, oh, I really want to seek that out. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Like you're going to have such a good time. It's she's got really good chemistry, good presence, and is just one of those characters. She's got moxie because yes. she in the whole thing. She's basically the voice of reason, and she's like the one that puts two and two together. Well, she's like we're gonna fight this. She's like the backbone of the fucking movie. And I'm just now realizing this. Of course, last last round. Ed Harris played the same character as Michael Rooker. We could have had Bonnie Bedelia versus Amy Madigan. Because, yeah, Amy, but uh, Madigan is married to Ed Harris. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Don't let go. That's that's weird. That's like, that's very uh, Stephen King multiversian type weird shit. It, it definitely, it, go, it goes Amy places. Madigan, Dark Tower. Okay, now I well, want to Sorry, now I want to see like how Scott Glenn works in because he is like the third Sheriff Pangborn from the Castle Rock series. So like I want to see how <laughs> how how that connects to the other two. Wait, Scott Glenn versus Ed Harris versus Michael, Michael Rooker. Rooker? Wow, Ooh. Pangborn multiverse. Yeah, I'm my God. I'm down for it though. That's one thing I love about Stephen King. Everything he's very marvelistic when it comes to his multiverses and variants and shit like that. I'm always down for like otherworldly shit. He's created such a wonderfully complex and cool sandbox of characters, and just Castle Rock is it's it's a character mm-hmm. in and of itself. So why not bring in all these various character actors to, to the point where I think is it uh, uh, Baxley has directed a number of, like, the TV adaptations, mm-hmm. like Storm between, of the Century. Between Baxley and, and Garrus. Yeah, all yeah. those cats. That... All are welcome. But this is that nice chance. But this is, okay, let's talk the I Romero was, Yeah, I was surprised about this movie because I, like, thought it was, we've seen, like, oh, our, somebody's writing turns into an actual character and kill things before. Um, but I don't know. There was something very unique about this one. I, I don't know if it was the bird aspect or the Romero flair. But I think Romero's touches helped a lot with this. And that's for me, this is kind of like where you go, oh, yeah, it's that other one of the other movies that Romero put out. And especially the mid 90s, you always forget that he and I like monkey shines. Yeah, like monkey shines, like any of his post work. Hell, and I will go to bat for Knight Riders, but you need like two and a half hours to get through it. Come on, George. (laughs) Uh, But it's it's that bit of work that goes, oh, yeah. He was much more than just the zombie guy. He could be like this, like Neo Giallo, because that's the other kind of element I got of this film, almost like a Romero-esque Pittsburgh-based Giallo in a way with some of the touches, uh, some of the approaches on that. And I don't know if that's the baggage I brought to it, but I was just like, go, George. This is cool. 
Yeah, the I, I will say like I like I enjoy the movie like way more than the book. Like the book is Stephen King at like his most uh, where he does like the real the, like the Hogan, like the most Stephen King like the stuff you don't like about Stephen King. There's a lot of that in the dark half where it's a lot of like real bad dialect and stuff like that, and it just it's it's kind of cringy. Um, whereas I think the movie like gets rid of a lot of those elements and makes it actually scary. Mm-hmm. Having not read the book, obviously, I didn't know what was coming, but it definitely, there, it was scary. Like, you don't know that, I mean, Stephen King, one thing he always does really well is that unreliable narrator, right? So mm-hmm. you already don't know, like, is this really happening or is is Thad actually just killing people and not remembering it or whatever? Or has his character, his alter ego come to life? So... I always kind of enjoy that psychological aspect of something when you don't know if it's in their head or if it's real. One thing that got me that really, uh, I was like, oh, that's nicely done. They don't have a lot of gore until the end. Mm. And then at the very <laughs> end, it's like the gore just like, you know, we saved all this money on the gore budget. Let's go ahead and spend it now. What would you guys think about that 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 like weird Uncle the- Frankie and type scenario at the end of the movie the birds wasted nothing yeah the yeah. birds really went for it didn't they i like oh. it i love birds <laughs> yeah. i don't know Go, good for them yeah it's it, it wasn't until i rewatched it that like the ending of this like genius like the way you said like they just save it all for the end it's like i feel like when ted gagan made we're still here like it's the same sort of thing where it's like yeah it's scary throughout it all and then like the last 20, 20 minutes are just like here are uh 13,000 gallons of blood <laughs> like, we're just going to splatter it all over the walls we saved it all for the end. Yeah, that's 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 a very good analogy because that's exactly what I felt like. Whenever they they wait to the end, it's like that's very we are still here because the last twenty minutes of we are still here is a whole different movie in itself. Yeah. And so that's was almost like the last twenty minutes of Dark Half when all the shit goes wild. The birds come in, they're pecking away. I was like, Bravo! You you can know you know your way around some good guts and gore, George. Oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Now, a lot of love and like heaped upon both of these films, but only one can make it into the next round. So we've got two bits of criteria here, and the first one is so nice, we do it twice. Uh, We're going to ask which of the two films is closer to your heart. Closer to the heart, for here on Summerfield, we're all about the heart. Very nice, very nice. So nostalgia strings be damned. Uh, Julie Nick... Dark Half or Jurassic Park, which of the two is closer to your heart? I mean, for me, it's obviously Jurassic Park. It's one of my favorites of all time and has a special place in my memory of my first viewing and every viewing. Same. 100%. I have a Jurassic Park tour guide button somewhere in the house that is one of my more prized possessions. Makes sense. It makes sense. Genius. Seeing the theater with the entire family, still remembering, like, my mom freaking out of that, like, when the dinosaur is jumping at the vent. And back to even she goes, man, when that dinosaur jumped at the vent, scared the hell out of me. So, yeah, no. Close to the heart, I got to go to Jurassic Park. And this one's always been difficult, looking at something where you see it in the theater versus something you've just watched first time. The first right. time. 
And I've got a lot of nostalgia for, for George A. Romero. But man, I'm, again, still chasing that dragon of that experience of seeing Jurassic Park in the theater. I probably went no more than like six times <laughs> you to the theater. It was, it was unreal how I was devoted to that film. You don't know what DNA splicing is. <laughs> so, Lonnie, get your ass away from that security system. <laughs> oh, my God. From the heart to the head, uh, we're going to ask, if you took one of these films away, which one would leave 1993 worse off or poorer, a little bit more abstract. So again, throw it out, Julian, Nick, get us started here. I Jurassic Park, one hundred percent. Like the leaps forward it made in terms of special effects are like unparalleled. But also, like the cast is just completely unfuckwithable. Like everybody is perfect for their roles. Like there, there are no bad performances in Jurassic Park. I, like, which is surprising as many characters as there are, they're all great. And let's not forget the absolute fashion icon of Safari Laura Dern. Oh, yeah. Just, oh. yes. So Jurassic Park for me as well. It, with I, no, matter, no matter how bad the sequels continue to get, as I'm sure they will, I think that we're better with it than we would be without it. That is fair. And also, if we're talking fashion... Muldoon and that that hat and those thighs, man. That's some good stuff. <laughs> Look at that hundred outfit. You gotta respect a hunter's outfit. Yeah, right. Oh, that gal. <laughs> um I gotta go to Jurassic Park. And just because like Dark Half is already an underseen Romero jam. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If we take away Julie didn't even know it existed. You know, so I'm saying is like if we took it away, not saying no harm, no foul, because of God love much love for King, much love for Romero. I really enjoyed it, but it yeah, I don't think I'm not saying that we would miss it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's so underseen and unheard of that. Yeah. So Jurassic Park gets my vote. And if you look at I do want to champion the dark half because I do think it is pretty good underseen Romero. Yes. And if you take that away, though, you still have Martin, mm-hmm. one of the great discoveries of the first. Of the absolutely. Mark absolutely. You still have monkey shines. Mm-hmm. You still have. Unfortunately, you still have amusement park. Oh, my God. God, that's a oh, bummer. That's tough. It's, oh, that's a hard baby. Anxiety just thinking about uh-huh. it. But you still have what is arguably the best Stephen King, George A. Romero collaboration. That is Creepshow. Mm-hmm. So removing the dark half still doesn't take that away. Uh, it, it, it sucks because it's still fun. But, man, Jurassic Park, you still have Jaws. You still have Dual Hell. In 93, even if you took Jurassic Park away... Spielberg still has Schindler's List. Like, and you have Carnosaur. That is another level, and you would still have Carnosaur. But I mean, you take away Dean Cundy's work. Don't take away the Cundy. You know, you can't come for the Cundy and come lightly. So, to me, the collaboration, all that, the the the, the step forward in CGI. Wow. Ninety three is tough. So yeah, I'm going Jurassic Park, and by a sweep, uh, a clean bite, a sweep, stomping its way into the hateful eight, Jurassic Park, shaking that jello, <laughs> leaving the, the dark T-Rex half along. Bite, yes, yeah. the bite. All right, now that leads us to our last matchup here in the round of the Scream sixteen, and as Genius said, technically another one 
that is all about literature. Mm-hmm. As we have uh, Adam Marcus's Jason Goes to Hell going up against a plethora of ooey-gooey directors and Necronomicon's Book of the Dead, which one shall we dive into first? You're called Julie. Oh, gosh. Let's go Let's go to hell with Jason. <laughs> Do the Jason. <laughs> <laughs> we, he... Jason doesn't have a good track record. He's almost Sam Raimian. Very much so, because he's Jason is part of horror. It's part of the 80s. It's he's an icon. one of those things. But when you get into the 90s, that's when it gets different. It's when it gets weird. And this I movie's see. weird. This is when it gets weird. <laughs> and I will champion the weirdness of this film, but I'm going to throw it out to you all. What's your all's relationship with you know the Friday the 13th franchise, Jason Voorhees, Camp Crystal Lake? And Jason well, goes to hell. I thought I had seen the whole franchise, but I had not seen this one. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. I don't know and, how. Again, I don't know how. And Nick? I remember hearing about, like, people are like, you have to see the ending. You have to see it. And so I believe when this came out on video, I there was a strange thing when I was a kid. My parents were just like, listen, as long as you get the movies back to the store on time, we don't care what you rent. And so I not only, I had, I think I've talked about this before. I had my own card, like not like, like it had my name on it and like I signed it and everything. And I would go up to rent movies and they're like, this is already rated. I was like, look at the computer. And Hmm. so, yeah, I rented, I rented this and just like watched it by myself on like a Friday or Saturday night while my parents were hanging out at the neighbors. Uh, and uh, this is the perfect movie for a 13 year old uh, <laughs> on, on like a Friday or Saturday night uh, uh, at 30 years later, um, uh, even with a shit ton of uh, COVID meds rushing through me. Um, it, it's, it's a different experience. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's a glowing endorsement or if you're ringing bombastic. I know. Like, I was like, wow, there's a number of ways. You know? <laughs> yeah. like, it's it's the COVID med that threw in and it's like, oh, I'm all hepped up. Because here's the thing. It's already a weird, goofy, wild movie, let alone you're all hepped up on goofballs. I can't even imagine. So, okay, let's start with, with Julie. Since this is your first time, what did you think of Jason Goes to Hell? I it's It's not great. It's not great. Um, I the gore was good. I like that Jason basically becomes Elmer from Brain Damage. Um, <laughs> Who left the hearty, the gurdy, the campers at noon? Did it's not expect that. Tune. Um, yeah, you know, Leslie Jordan, wonderful surprise, wonderful. Um, but yeah, I. I was like, I don't know how I missed this. My dad and I used to rent all the horror movies, so I don't know. Maybe he watched this one without me. I don't know, but yeah, wild, wild direction to take it. And that's just, I have a feeling that probably someone did see that before. And because this is, this one's probably more divisive than like uh, Halloween 3 beginning or even within the Friday franchise Mm. because how it deviates so far. So were you aware of body swapping Jason going into this one? No, I didn't know what okay. happened. Like, I thought he was going to hell. There, where was hell? At the end, I, I guess. <laughs> hell is other people. Yeah, I he, thought... he was getting, he was getting <laughs> very, 
I thought we would Star spend Trian. most yeah, of the movie in hell, and and we yeah. <laughs> Jason spent a, a year over in Paris, you know, learning all the existential philosophers. <laughs> the beret, he's fucking reading Karl Marx and like all smoking a lot. Like there's like there's one long dangling cigarette out of the mask holes, you know, and just like yeah, <laughs> swine, you Crystal Lake plebes. <laughs> honestly, though, if I remember right, so true to form, we actually did a commentary for Jason Goes to Hell. Oh, we had Fop Jason, Old Money Jason. <laughs> The variety of the things. different very the different things that he could do in. He could have experienced a number of different perspectives. I'm still waiting for Fop Jason like <laughs> So beyond the COVID medication, Nick, uh, how did this one hit now? Like you said, it sounded like possibly a ringing endorsement, but also Um I always think that like the opening 10 minutes are like maybe some of my favorite 10 minutes in the entire Friday the 13th uh franchise like uh just because it is ridiculous it is absurd and it is dumb but also key to this movie it has Jason in it there is not a lot of actual Jason Voorhees in this film. He is in the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes. And other than that, you have another 70 minutes of just random people. Now, you do get Stephen Williams, who is a national fucking treasure. <laughs> like, um, And this might be one of my favorite things he's done, not counting, um, you know, 21 Jump Street, obviously. Um <laughs> And the Blues Brothers. Um, but uh, the funny thing is, is every time I watch this movie, I forget that um, the guy who plays Steven is also from Friday the 13th, the series. The series. The series. Yeah. And this yeah, is after Friday. This is Friday after Friday the 13th, the series, which was also something I was watching at the time, which was definitely not age appropriate. And the one of the few programs my father ever went, you shouldn't be watching this and made me turn it <laughs> off. Okay, so Nick, real quick, not to interrupt. I was a big fan of the series, Friday the 13th, the series too, and I watched it in... And they never fucking played it in order, but whatever. Yep. Did it throw you off like it threw me off? And I was like, hey, wait, that's the dude from Curious Antiques. Is this an actual, is this the origin why it's called Friday the 13th type like I got, crossover event? I got very excited when I saw him in it and then like, you know, because it, and then watched the movie and I was just like, oh, no, they just cast him like why waste this opportunity like this movie's so far off the fucking rails anyway like you could have gone there and it would have been fine yeah he could have put like he was one of the reasons like the mask was a cursed antique i mean they even brought that he's they made a canon that he's from he's a deadite yeah there the necronomicon is a, a, in this movie <laughs> mm -hmm. this in a kendarian dagger Yes. Yeah, it's canon. It's canon that Voorhees is a, is a deadite now. Well, I'm just waiting for George, the the Key and Peel to come back and do like a Jason Goes to Hell Gremlins 2-esque. We're going to have him yeah. jump in and kill Leslie Jordan. We're going to have him shave a dude. We're going to have like all sorts of stuff. In like the a movie. weird worm sliming okay, okay. underneath people. The shaving room, the shaving table. We made mention, Do you? Where is that weird antiques? Is that where do you go to find <laughs> something like that? Teakstar. Okay, that also is probably that would play into it. <laughs> My God. So, so Julie, 
What was your experience like with the one Creighton Duke? Because as and your shaving table and the shaving table. Well, like your Duke experience when you first saw it, like what the fuck is happening? Because I still say what the fuck is happening. Yeah, I mean that's not part of my life experience at all. So I don't know anything about that. It, it's good to know that I'm not the only one that said, well, I guess I was deprived not having a family shaving table in yeah, the middle right. of, you know, the house. I mean, we all grew up of simple means, I guess. <laughs> I would also like to point out that the um, the brunette at the very beginning of that first 10 minutes of like the best part of the Friday the 13th film, that is Julie Michaels. And she actually was the blonde dancer in Roadhouse. <laughs> with the pink dress and yes she was she was a, a career stunt person so i love the fact that she shows up like that i'm really surprised that like that at jason's shaving table they didn't come into more into play because i would love for somebody like trying to like somehow get jason on the shaving table and like slashes lead the most interesting lives but just the other day i was telling freddy krueger my slashes lead just the interesting lives and then just <laughs> Why is it getting fixed? <laughs> Anything to get rid of that wisp of hair that he has. <laughs> that stuff freaks me out. Between like him and Madman Mars have that horrible wispy, wispy? hair. <laughs> it is. Yeah. We need more Creighton Duke in horror, though. I, I, give yeah. me the Creighton Duke files. Yes. Give me all of the other serial killers. He's bad. Give me him going up against Leslie Vernon. I will take all of it. And yeah, the character was bananas it, in, in a bananas level movie. Yeah. Now let's talk about the ending because the ending, I know genius. You saw this in the theater. Correct? Oh, I fucking cheered. I fucking cheered. <laughs> Nick, were you of, cause this was okay. 93. There's no such thing as the internet at this point. Or if you did, I mean, you were, shilling AOL discs like crazy. Were you aware of what they were doing with this one? Yeah, because, I mean, I wasn't, like, a regular, like, reader of Fangoria and stuff, but, mm -hmm. like, I mean, like, it it was knowledge. Like, it was, it was, it, it was the reason I saw it, because I was just like, oh, shit, like, that's <laughs> how it ends? I gotta see that. Like, now... It is literally just like a hand coming up and grabbing a mask and pulling it down and there's a laugh. Like, that's it, and you don't get shit for, like, the better part of two decades. <laughs> but still, when you're 13 and there's no internet, that sort of stuff is just like, you're not going to believe this. Like, holy Christ. Um, and so, yeah, like, I mean, I, I still, like, that's a great scene. And if they had done something with it, like, maybe sooner, it might be cooler and but it is definitely not the reason to watch the movie <laughs> so now seeing it then for the first time julie was this one that you you pro you've probably seen this scene at that point yeah i mean truly i don't know how i had i didn't see this movie well i do know because i thought i had seen them all and this is like the one i don't own of all of them somehow it's mm -hmm. not on any of the discs but so i've seen freddy versus jason but i didn't know that 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 seed was planted so to speak in this one so when that happened i was like oh okay and then i went to look at how long the time distance was and i was like oh they really held on to that for a long time because <laughs> i didn't know you know i saw it at the time it came out but i couldn't remember when that was so so yeah i i didn't 
remember or know that that was planted here? Well, from a film that uh, de- very divisive, but a continuation to a franchise, to an anthology, very hidden anthology, and another first time viewing for both Genius and myself, 1983's Necronomicon, The Book of the Dead. Oh, how was the familiarity on your guys' side with this one? Again, first time for me. Had I'm, not yes, yes. seen it. Yeah. Well, uh, although Justin over at Horror Business has talked about it on numerous episodes, and so I was I knew it existed, but yet never seen it. No, perfect. I, oh, I saw it the blockbuster days. Yep. Yeah, the old school. In fact, I still have my copy. Of the VHS of Necronomicon. And I felt like we ourselves pretty much had to summon Cthulhu to try to make <laughs> sure we all saw this film. So I really appreciate you all going to the depths of the uh, old ones <laughs> with that. So that being said, Julie, was this one that you were familiar with at all, just in terms of reputation? No. Like when I saw the name, I was like, oh, of course, the Necronomicon. But I think I'm just familiar with the idea of the Necronomicon. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was familiar with the film at all. So, yeah, totally new to me. And what do we think? Uh, it's another weird one. Um, I <laughs> Like you guys, I like an anthology, so I was down with that part. I think uh, the effects were more dated, I think, than anything else that we've watched in this bracket here. Um, but it had some good bits. You know, I, I'm here and there on my thoughts on Lovecraft, but I thought that was an interesting wraparound and use of it yeah Lots anytime of good you, imagery of the sea and i will agree especially on going from like the cg we get in jurassic park to the cg that we see in necronomicon you can tell you know the budgetary restraints but i will say though one of the big surprises for me though was the, the practical, practical that yeah inevitably kind of overstayed that uh did you have any particular rick dalton moments of people showing up in the film I did. I did. Um, in the segment with the two cops, mm-hmm. the lady cop, th- this is going to mean nothing to none. Well, maybe genius. I feel like genius could know this one. Uh, the lady cop played Hope in The Young and the Restless. She was Victor's <laughs> blind wife that he met when he had amnesia in Kansas. So who Get out of I town! Saw her, I was like, it's Hope. And I went and looked it up and I was like, it is. It's really Hope. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, insane! <laughs> That is why we do Into the Mouth of March Madness, to have those kind of connections happen. Victor's been yeah, always I've, doing cricket real dirty, like for yeah, years, like yeah. years. He's, like, when's you going to learn? I can't believe he's been allowed to be a villain for this long. But for yeah. that fucking long. And he's always been a villain, too. Even in his, like when he wasn't Victor, when he was like in all those old cowboy movies, he was always a villain <laughs> then, too. Like, goddamn, Victor, you've always been an asshole. A like, villain with an accent that you'll never pinpoint. Right. He's very, <laughs> like, he could be like Tommy Wiseau's grandsire. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I don't believe you understand, Tommy. We must find out what we're going to do for the most capital that we must get. Oh, but I don't know, Victor. We need more money so we can open up. (laughs) What are we going to do in Genoa City? I'm so glad that there's a fellow soap opera fan. I knew when I saw her, I was like, no one else is going to know. But I knew that Genius had a little bit of soap opera in him. I do love my stories. I do love my stories. (laughs) 
that to me that's the best that that be best like us being excited for Richard Lynch that like to me that's like dropping the mic that is the best thing that can happen but you know there's always something ghoulish in like and Richard Lynch you're like oh fuck here comes <laughs> Richard Lynch in his school of ghoulery so Nick I'll throw this one out to you uh, of the three did you have a preferred well, segment first or- of all what did you think uh I'm glad I finally got to see it. Like I'm, I I do enjoy Lovecraft, um, with reservations, obviously. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, like I I was really it was fun watching it because I'm just like every segment it's just like oh Richard Lynch oh David Warner oh hey wait a minute is that the dude from Return of the Living Dead? Uh, no, actually, uh, I was thinking of the guy who played the reporter in the cold, and I was like. Is that the guy from Fade to Black? Holy shit, that's the dude from Fade to Black. Uh, it's oh just God. just weird watching him play like a confident character. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it was it, it it was fun and weird, and I do appreciate the fact that in one of the segment, like the, this is an anthology, so it's like you know you've got the wraparound. And then you've got your stories within it. And then within one of those stories, that also is a wraparound with a story within it. And I'm like, ooh, Inception. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was fun. I mean, like, it didn't blow me away, but I, I didn't feel like I had wasted my time. What do you think about the effects? I feel like the effects, like, they're all, like, you can tell it's, you know, like, the people who directed it are the people who directed it. Like, you know, like <laughs> you're, you're Brian Usna and, and stuff like that. Like, because all of the effects are shown very clearly, like they're, yeah. they're, they're full frame. Like they're, there's a, they hold the shot. Like this is a movie that like, it's just like, no, no, we put a lot of work into this and we want to make sure you see it. Like where you see like a body melt or something like that. I was really impressed with the body melting and just like, but of course, when you have Screaming Man George and you have like you said Yuzna and you have all those cats, it's always like, I always kind of know what to expect whenever I see Yuzna and George and Buechler, Buechler and all that, and that I was not disappointed. I think you said it right. When you see who's directing it, you're like that 100% tracks. Well, even looking then at technically looking at that K and B did most of the effects works on Jason Goes to Hell. So in 93, you still have all of these people, you know, just applying their trade in such cool, creative ways that, yeah, I agree. There's definitely a distinction between the two. I actually, for me, it works just because mm-hmm. we also went through a lot of travels and travails to to make the, the thing happen. I think I was appreciating every little bit that I got to see because I'm like, yeah, we got to wait another five minutes for this to work, you know, and it was good. It was a big surprise for me. Uh, this is one of those I was always familiar through the trailer. Saw mm-hmm. the trailer quite a bit. And given kind of my appreciation of Yuzna, Christoph Gans or Gans was the other one that I was like, wait, Brotherhood of the Wolf guy? And I was like, holy shit. But it was, it was again, it was the inclusion of all those character actors in here. And then even the reveal of the the the, the creatures that are sucking out like the bone marrow and everything and the reveal. I mean, it just kept like for me, it kept escalating the weirdness. Getting weirder and weirder and weirder. Yeah. And then by the time you have Jeffrey Combs, like... Smashing people, ripping their victim's Yeah, it was kind of all for it. Jeffrey Combs is superhuman strength. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm, I'm kind of down with that. And then also, 
And it's another Yuzna Combs collaboration, which you really can't go wrong with any of that. My only thing is I wish it wasn't so fucking hard to find. I think more yeah. people need to see it, especially fans of Yuzna and watching people melt and like <laughs> watching weird creatures suck out bone marrow, you know? Other thoughts and feelings on Necronomicon Book of the Dead. I'm really very surprised this has never had like a legit like Blu-ray release. Like I feel like it's one of those that pops up regularly when people are like, why not? And I just I can only assume it's you've got when you've got like this many actual directors involved. Mm -hmm. It's just a nightmare getting everyone to sign off on it. It looks like something ideal for Vestron. Like I could see Vestron putting out a great edition of this. Mm-hmm. Cuz I think as of right now the only like true like good Blu-ray release is some weird German one that like small boutique. I don't even know if it's region free or if it's like German region or something. Probably. Hmm. All right. So Got two films striving to make their way into the round of The Hateful Eight, but only one can advance. So we're going to ask, which of the two films, Jason Goes to Hell or Necronomicon, Book of the Dead, are closer to your heart? Julie, Nick, start us off. I'm going to I'm gonna say uh, Jason Goes to Hell is probably closer to my heart. Just that's it's a movie that I have seen several times over the years and like it's many 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 flaws uh notwithstanding (laughs) like man that that opening is just so fucking great (laughs) julie yeah i'm gonna agree um you know just as we know all franchises that have a good long run have missteps but i think this might be the most batshit misstep of any long-running franchise so you gotta you gotta be proud of them for going all in appreciate when they take chances yeah genius necronomicon putting the vhs in getting that reminds me of my old blockbuster days and all that stuff god damn if i don't remember just being so excited and fucking hyped up after Jason goes to hell when like that just hand comes up like fuck yeah! all right fucking 15 year old genius lost his shit so for that reason closer to the heart I gotta go with my boy Jason plus Creighton Duke yeah that's two two words put together it's almost a killing phrase this one it's yeah and again one that I'm familiar with versus a first time watch I, much like y'all, like Lovecraft, but with the little asterisks, with the note, yes, garbage person, but produced, you know, very interesting work. Uh, I don't know, man. This is one of those that, because it's the outlier of just a, such a full and weird franchise, to me, there's so many different ways that you can watch a Friday the 13th triple feature. This one, for me, always closes the no Jason, no problem with uh, the OG part five and this. So, yeah, closer to the heart for me is Jason Goes to Hell, but from the heart to the head, if you were to take one of these films away, which one would leave 1993 worse off? Again, start off with our friends at the Carnage Report. I think I gotta go with Jason again. Like, it obviously you know, really set people up for excitement with you know, Freddy coming through that forbidden door to 
not give us anything that year. But I think, you know, the hype around it that year probably would have been more, more, I don't know, more in the zeitgeist of the year. That is fair. Yeah, I mean, I don't think taking Necronomicon, uh, like, there are so many other, like, and you've already got, like, Dagon, which is, like, actually a full-length film, and another Brian Usna joint, um, that uh, there are so many other, like, much better <laughs> uh, Lovecraftian adaptations out there that, like, you don't lose anything by it disappearing, whereas I feel like depriving the world of Creighton Duke um, would be a <laughs> sin. And, uh, the, the, like, listen, like he, like Stephen Williams in this movie in Jason goes to hell is the only person who I think understands how absurd it is. And is just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to acknowledge that. He understood the assignment. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say, I'm going to be the lone dissident and say Necronomicon because I think depriving the world of Usna, more Usna and anthology would be a shame. However, he said depriving the world of Creighton Duke if he did the other one. <laughs> that is a world I don't want to live in without Creighton Duke, right? <laughs> uh, it was great to see Leslie Jordan in a goddamn horror movie. And I'm telling you, there are two of my absolute favorite kills in the entire franchise in Jason Goes to Hell. When one of them is when Leslie Jordan's wife gets popped in the mouth. Love that kill. Love that kill. As weird as it batshit it is, and I'm sure a lot of people wish that it wouldn't have been, I got to go with Jason Goes to Hell just on the sheer audacity. And again, motherfucking Creighton Duke. (laughs) So, you know, if you take away Necronomicon Book of the Dead, you still have multiple Yuzna, Love, Lovecraft material collaborations that are out there. Reanimator, you know, uh, From Beyond, Stuart Gordon stuff, like you said with Dagon. But if you take Jason Goes to Hell away, you are deprived. And I'm so glad we are unified <laughs> in our appreciation of Creighton Duke. But also, you take away that moment for a young genius McGee to lose his shit in the theater. When he gets to have that ultimate fanboy moment of it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Nick, it's going to happen soon, right? We're going to, you know, <laughs> next like, year, yes. next year in six months, you know, this is coming out in the spring. I'm sure by Halloween, <laughs> we'll have Freddy versus Jason. We won't have to wait 17 fucking years. Maybe I should take it away just so none of you all had that crushing, soul crushing thing that may have been more beneficial. But honestly, absence makes the hearts grow fonder. And man. Again, another sweep. Holy shit. Slashing his way in another body. Shaving his way. <laughs> Shaving his way. Hey, so do you think what would happen if one of those little worms got into like a T-Rex mouth? That's just it. If 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 T, if Rexy takes a big old bite out of Jason and we have like, you know, a big Jason Rex, I am oh, man down now a question let's start writing this right now <laughs> what question would the hockey mask be like a straight hockey mask or would it be like one of those like tailored ones that fit the direct would, would fit his face would it be like the shape of the t-rex face or would it just be like a regular hockey mask but just giant just on its nose <laughs> also would the t-rex have a machete or is it just not necessary 
It, he has a hard time using it. Just those little hands. Yeah. Well, maybe he maybe decides like fuck it. I'm gonna pull an ash, and he in one of the hands becomes a machete. There we go. There we go. I, I think we are sitting on a million dollar idea. So copywriting this right. Trademark. Voorhees Park. <laughs> Voorhees Park. He's, I, Voorhees Park. Let's do it. Let's do it. Asylum. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. This is ours. This is ours. Life finds a way, mommy. Life finds a way. <laughs> and we couldn't have found uh, both of those films way into the round of the hateful eight without the presence of Julie and Nick from the Carnage Report podcast. Now, seriously, you guys, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us. And hopefully, and again, I love the fact that Julie, at least anything, we got you to see some, along with us, new yeah. films, experiencing, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff, which is always amazing. Yes. Now, that being said, please remind our listeners where can they find and listen to you all? We are on Twitter and Instagram at Report Carnage. Uh, you can find the podcast at Cinepunks. And if you want to let us know what you think about the show or suggest things, email us at carnagereportpod at gmail.com. Perfect, perfect. And we're going to take a brief break. And when we come back... Uh, we're going to be joined by an individual that's probably happy. A Brian Usna did not show up. Did not show up in that. Uh, we will be back. As we go from the round of the Scream 16 into the round of the Hateful Eight, let us again thank uh, both Julie and Nick from the Carnage Report podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, let us say goodbye, farewell, and adieu to both the Dark Half and Necronomicon Book of the Dead. I, I was really surprised Squiddly Diddly didn't go any farther, but like, I'm also kind of glad that it didn't go any farther, knowing who our next guest is, because... <laughs> I'm not saying anything, but like we don't have the best track record when it comes to Brian Usna films and Scream Med George collaborations. And what's even greater is the fact that uh, there was a Usna directed film in '93 that was an honorable mention mm -hmm. that could have made its way one way or the other. But honestly, you know, and, and it's really weird that Squiddly Diddly didn't go, it doesn't go farther in our own brackets. And it should be noted, I am not the one that brought into the conversation the connection. That was one genius. I have forever said I will not do that anymore. No, but I'm, so I have not mentioned, I'm just trying to tiptoe around things. Well, you know our next guest, uh, as he has bylines at uh, pitchkc.com, uh, boomhowdy.com. Uh, he is the current president of the Kansas City Film Critics, and of course, 
He is the host of the Horrorversary podcast. And he's fucking rad. Yes, he is indeed. Please welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead and into the mouth of March Madness, Adrian Torres. Thanks for having me. I, I know that, that genius said that nice comment just there because he wants to get off on the, the on the right foot. <laughs> and I'm left-handed, so. <laughs> <laughs> and let, it, it was lingering in the back of my head. However, when I realized, I was like, oh, yeah, we do have Mr. Yuzna and possibly Mr. Torres meeting as like, oh, well, you know. I'll take the torch so you don't have to, dude. <laughs> no, no, I'll go ahead. You made a promise not to, so I'll go ahead and jump on that grenade. No. That's, I, well, let me let me put a big old sheet on the elephant of the room. So <laughs> where, He's gone now. Scram, oh, scram, scram. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's never gone, uh, especially because I had to make sure a couple weeks ago to see when my birthday was this year. Thankfully, it is on a Wednesday. Okay, so, now so it's not on a Nerdoween or anything Yeah, like but, that. It, well, no, it was more so that there, there couldn't be somebody being like, oh, somebody's birthday is coming up on a Friday for a Friday Night Frights. Do we <laughs> do we dare <laughs> once again schedule a movie to trap somebody? <laughs> Your reaction alone after we did our little call and response? Ladies and gentlemen, this movie... God damn it. <laughs> I was walking in. That's that's the he thing. I was around. walking in and did like, like Homer Simpson just going back into the whoop. bushes. <laughs> well, there was a lot of love that's given to you, my friend. I hope so. I because I, I want to say, first of all, congratulations on year seven doing this. I think this is my for for the Martha Mat- Madness, I want to say this is six. Yeah. I think I've done six out of the seven for Into the Mouth of March Madness. Quite honestly, you are such another member of this podcast. There's like, I know on SNL they have the Five Timers Club. Yeah, you got your gold jacket, dude. You're like the 50 Timers Club. When, 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 you, ha- when you see, uh, I guess for, for the average person, the best example would be uh, Mama Kelsey at the, at the Super Bowl having the, oh. the half jersey that had <laughs> half one Kelsey, half the other. Is if, you, if you made that jersey into a person, it had to be half me, half Mount Baldy. That, that would be your... <laughs> Your, your third person. That's a scary thought, though. I mean, I know we're not talking about like that word anymore, but no. like, <laughs> like the whole Cronenberg yeah. of There's like adjective we can throw in there. You know, yeah. we're, we're we're going to both destroy you physically and destroy you with movie knowledge that you don't want. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> images simultaneously. Like, <laughs> but just be known. I mean, an entire. Marathon was programmed <laughs> for one particular person's reaction. For so just know that's a lot of love, yeah. my friend. <sighs> thank you. Thank no, of you. course, thank yeah. you. And I, if a lot of people don't know, it's because of the stuff that we were doing around town that actually started mm-hmm. our interaction, the yeah. friendship, and it continues to this day. And again, the people gathered here, the madness is very real <laughs> oh, yeah. in reality and here in the safety. Oh, we're we're, we're going to get into some madness in a couple minutes here. Well, but before we get into that madness appropriate, uh, where can we find you out on social media? Please plug and promote away. Um, Technically, I have an Instagram. <laughs> it, it, I, no, I'm saying technically because I think I have like three photos on there. Uh, none of them are me. and but but it, but it still is like, yo, Adrian Torres. Um, one of them, I th- it was a is a guy on a tractor at a Scooter's Coffee, just because I was like, oh, this is something I have to get. And then there's a a terrifying picture that I found um, or that I took when walking the dogs one day because all of the lights outside were off at the old place that that I lived, but there was one street lamp light that was on. Fuck all that noise! And it was shining down on a random chair. 
Okay. Like, like a house chair. Like a house chair. Not not like an outside mm. lawn chair. Not not like a mini sofa or something. But like a dining room table chair was just under it. No table, no anything. It was just sitting there. And it's like, fuck, I know that there's something in there. I don't necessarily believe in a lot of like supernatural shit. But I know that there is some evil, malevolent force that is sitting in that chair that caused that light to come on as I was walking back with the dogs. See? Okay. Now. Uh, let's. I'm putting myself in that <laughs> scenario, right? On one shoulder, dude. You know, as soon as you sit in that chair, you're gonna be fucking haunted and cursed. You know, as soon as you sit on that chair, you're gonna be transported to Narnia, and it's gonna be on sit on a magical, mythical quest to like save a magical kingdom. Bloop. Which do you decide? And I'd be like, oh, I don't know what I would do in that. Situation. I know what you would do. You you would see it, and you go, no, fuck that noise, and then walk on. That's that's the most genius thing is you, or you, or I'd be like, hey, look at me, I'm the king of the castle, sit on the chair like, yeah, and like, whoop, where'd he go? Yeah. I don't know. I think you would err on the side of horror yeah. rather than the side of fantasy when it comes to everyday interactions. I've seen you glide around so many grates on the ground, my friend. <laughs> like, and it's because of Chud. Yeah, G- genius was was already being nice, so that means that I have to be in the mean one. And um, because you know what they say, it comes at night. Oh man, fuck that movie, dude. Fuck that. No- if I sat in that chair and all of a sudden I get transported <laughs> and it comes at night, I would be so pissed because I would be living in a world of eternal boredom where nothing fucking comes at night. I would be living in bait and switch land. Genius, genius is, is actually the thing on the other side of the door banging and they open the door you and he goes, where is it? Where is it? Show me it. I want to see it. Where is it? It's some weird alternate universe where I'm on both sides of the door and it winds up being like Clue. Let us in. Let us in. Let us out. Let us out. And so like that's what it would be. I would hate it. Hate it. And without that interaction, we would never have <laughs> this kind of running shtick and just the genuine joy. I just, Holy shit. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> now I'm all riled up. <laughs> now I'm all riled up. I, no, but that means Woosa, that... Woosa, hey, that, that, means, that means that you're ready to debate. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's... Going back 30 years, mm-hmm. we have already <laughs> disclosed the highs and the lows of Genius and I back in 93. Adrian. Yeah. Higher or low in '93. My parents were getting divorced. Oh, low. Okay. Okay. Low. <laughs> low. Low. <laughs> it was it because '93 is is kind of the weird year because uh, we were split between Kansas City and Seattle. Oh wow. We, we had moved to Kansas City for for one year. The whole idea being that we were going to be closer to my mom's side of the family that was out here because my parents were were having some you know issues and stuff, and it was mm-hmm. kind of like, hey, let's. Let's do this. Let's you know see what happens, um, and then very much out of like a bad sitcom or or drama, um, it turned out that my my dad had uh, lost his job and was lying about it, and so I quit, had was leaving in the, in the morning and just going somewhere. We don't we don't know. I still don't to this day know where where he was going. But like he he just left and then would come back at what time he should have been home. And so, like, once my mom found out, it's like, nope, okay, that's not going to work. So we moved back to to Seattle, thinking may, maybe the stability here is going to fix things. And I, we were there for less than a year. And then 94 was when we were fully uh, transplanted here. So 93, I, I remember quite well because there was, we had, you know, moved from one place and then moved back. Um, and if you ever want the, like, the most boring drive 
in the world, then then do a drive from from Kansas to Seattle, and Oof. then the next year from Oof. Seattle to Kansas. Oh, that's rough. Oh man. Well, I, well, sincerely, no, I when knowing the background, I didn't know it was that. I knew that had happened. I didn't know it was that particular. Well, but time, I mean, the so. the positive is that there were there were movies there, yeah. and yeah. so. What one of these movies was definitely, you know, once we jump into it, I'll tell the story. But it was definitely, and I fully remember seeing it in the theater and everything. Mm-hmm. Now, let's, yeah. so let's let's go ahead. Let's go back thirty years. Let's do a little time warp. Here in the round of the hateful eight, we have the two remaining genre classics from nineteen ninety three going head to head, and this is a very interesting matchup. Two totally different. <laughs> let's let's jump into it there. So, guess first. Uh, mm-hmm. Do we go into uh, Adam Marcus's Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, or Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park? Jurassic Park. We're going to jump into Jurassic Park because we're the way that you guys record these. People don't don't understand like how madcap crazy it comes to like the schedules that you're recording and and when things are being recorded in advance and when they're dropping and stuff like that. So, I tried to do homework. You know, and I was like, oh, okay, so they haven't released it yet. We, we've they've done the '80s, but they haven't gotten into the '90s yet. So that means that while people listening have already probably heard this discussion, I you've got some explainings to do's, and so I'm curious, <laughs> how does what what's your reasoning for for Jurassic Park fitting in there? You did use the word genre, and so I think that's that's very in there because it's a debate that people have had. Oh. For oh. for years and years. Oh, so are your your question is why are we considering Jurassic Park horror? Yes. Oh, fucking because it's one hundred percent creature feature, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's it's monsters eating people, scientifically created monsters. It's no different than any of those B horror movies from the fifties. But but I mean, but it's still it's it's not like me being like ooh rar to you. Oh, yeah. right. But but it's it's a discussion that that people and, have been having like oh, every exactly. decade How since it's come out. Horror, yeah. yeah, why we, is it horror? From yeah. the second we put this out, there were so many. We knew we were gonna. Questions. We were, yeah. knew we were gonna get that. But, question. And that's I, the reason I think more than anything is because I think across the board we always agree Spielberg is so awesome mm-hmm. because he is so crafty by inserting. So much horror yeah. mm-hmm. in what appears to be more of a science fiction-y action adventure romp yeah. that when the horror hits, when you have kids in peril, the, and the way they are in real pa- peril, yeah. the first time that T-Rex bursts through the top of that window yeah. and that Stan Terrifying. Winston jaw <laughs> is jabbing after them. Right after he eats a dude on <laughs> a, a toilet. toilet. Yeah, I mean, so it's showing that this... T-Rex is going to fuck them it up. Is li- and you have Newman gets taken care of. The guy yeah. that was just perving out just a few years earlier, a year earlier in Basic Instinct. Yeah. Which is why I believe Steven Spielberg actually cast him in Jurassic Park. It's like, you look, good, you look good sweaty, man. Look good, let's, yeah. uh, <laughs> let, let's throw some spit at you. But th- that's just it. That's a horrifying moment yeah. when yeah. he gets off. It's venom. It's just, it's monsters, small, medium, and large, offing people, the hubris of man, and it's Steven freaking Spielberg from yeah. Jaws to Duel to, I could argue, of, nope, it's going to mess into my argument later. <laughs> you just have to look the very same year yeah. to see him do horror, horror Jason. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, even going back to, it's going, this argument 
goes back to the Jaws when people say like, "Oh, is Jaws a horror movie?" One hundred percent. It's yeah. nature gone amok, creature eating people. But here, here's here's the question for this one, which which I think is why sometimes people kind of have their blinders on when it comes to a limiting factor. Is you, you say science fiction, you say adventure. Some people might even say thriller in there, which I I think gets to a, a bigger conversation of what where is that line of demarcation right. when it comes to horror and it comes to thriller. But you have to remember when you're mentioning Jaws. You have to remember the year that you're mentioning it, that that far back. When you're mentioning Duel, you have to remember how far back that is. And that Spielberg in 93 is a completely different, you know, person when it when it comes to that. We're, we're talking about Spielberg, who in this time already has made not just Close Encounters, but has gone and done a special edition of Close Encounters. And, and the thing that you have to remember about, and well, the reason why I bring up Close Encounters is because there's been several different cuts of yeah. the movie and the cuts reflect where Spielberg is at that time in his life. There was a point that, Oh, you know, he wanted to go inside the spaceship because he felt that it was important to, you know, answer certain questions like that. And then where he is in his mindset, where he believes for about aliens and the extra extraterrestrials is where it comes into that version of the movie. Mm -hmm. When we look at 93 Spielberg, we're looking at more of the prestige era of Spielberg. And so for some people, with how big a budgeted movie this is. Oh, yeah. You have the Spielberg name. You have Michael Crichton as the writer. You have the, these actors there. That This was a big how-to-do thing. It was a big blockbuster film that Universal's putting out, and they're putting all their, you know, all their pennies into the bucket mm -hmm. with that Spielberg name. And so with having that prestige, there's some people who... Who that's what might hold them back in saying... saying it's horror? Yes, mm -hmm. because they're like, okay, yeah. you've got the action. You do oh, have... Yeah creature feature elements but we're looking at it more from that science fiction action adventure mm -hmm. um you know more serious pulpy romp right type of it and so i i, I wonder if that's what what Holds has caused from yeah. actually saying people from actually from people saying oh this is a, and, but All also the at the same time, the lambs be, because it is and, and it's something that we as people who are talking about you know horror movies and science fiction movies we'll jump into the word that you guys use when it comes to to genre mm -hmm. or genre benders mm -hmm. or or ones that are able to mix genres but for as greg likes to say and then apologizes for someone mentioning the normies and stuff like that is that it might be too much to be like oh this movie yeah, oh, is everything yeah and so it, for them, it seems like there's some limiting factors. And, and I wondered if that's where it is. Because when, when people see Jurassic Park, you know, they might be like, ooh, is, is, is that? Well, I think they want, I think you are 100% correct when they s don't believe that Spielberg is a horror director. Mm -hmm. They think because he is Steven Spielberg, his, na his name is the Xerox of directors. You might have another... Uh, brand name or everything but if you would talk about a good director it's going to be spielberg yeah and because he's so popular known because a lot of people who don't want to admit that his movies are horror then i think you are correct that the name spielberg is a limiting factor but if they take a look deeper into it there's really no fucking denying he is a horror director as well and i think especially when you said it was about the time Mm -hmm. I think around that time he was also looking at the horrors of man, not necessarily horror movies too, because he was doing Schindler's List around that time yeah. too, right? And so he's always looking at these horrific shit, yeah. And he's already used to putting in horror. So okay, let's add this horrific shit that man is capable of and turn it on its side. Let's put a face to this monster, mm -hmm. and then that's actually genetic 
dinosaurs, <laughs> right? And so I think there's intent of actually horror there in that movie too. Yeah. So, because I mean, there's definitely horrific elements. Is that, that you know, the person being eaten on the toilet? You know, the the chase sequence. Of course, the famous arm that falls on oh, yeah. on Laura Dern's. It's... You know. A shoulder. the The opening definitely is, you know, a, a twist on mm-hmm. exactly. It's, but I mean, that opening is fucking scary, and the chase from the uh, dinosaurs in the vents—that's yeah. fucking scary too. To I this day, still, to the the last my recent viewing, my, my legs, legs went st- up. Yeah. Same time, I knew it was fucking and coming too. It's like in the thing when uh, <laughs> they're gonna do the thing. I yeah. know it's fucking coming, but it still scares me every fucking time. So let me just call it. We're all gonna jump. We're all gonna yeah. jump when we're here in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the other question that that comes into it is, we're we're talking about carnosaur. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, Again, Carnosaur was a is fucking dope. Carnosaur has sequels, okay? But Prehysteria. So Prehysteria. So well, no, but that, that's that's what and they're I all diminishing to, returns. But that's what I want to want to talk about before, um, you know, we we get into the finer details because we're also talking about a movie that it's we're in twenty twenty three. This is ninety three. We're looking at this from thirty oh, yeah. years, which is which is crazy to think of all. First of all, but we're talking about the start of a giant franchise that had. Two different sets. We had the original trilogy, and then we've got the the newer trilogy. And when the second, what is it? I'm trying to remember, uh, Fallen Kingdom is the second of the, uh, the new one of the new ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. is that everybody? That was, so, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Because Jurassic, Jurassic World, Jurassic, Jurassic World, World, Fallen Kingdom, Kingdom, and, and then Dominion. Evolution. Dominion. Yeah. That's that's. I think <laughs> you're going the Resident Evil route. Yeah, there. I am. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's not even try to remember yeah, all the titles for that. I would love to but, see a Paul W. S. Anderson Jurassic Park movie. Anyway, <laughs> oh, he he and he tried to do a little bit with that with Monster Hunter, but he forgot to include most of the monsters. Anyways, um, so the franchise they they become less horrific as we go on. So you get to the point where Fallen Kingdom people are saying, "Oh yeah, the third act is great because they have this gothic horror yeah. vibe," but it's it's treating it as if there was never horrific elements do you think that because of that franchise element that when people go back and they think of the first one that they think of the the series as a whole being more science fiction action adventure and they kind of forget about those more horrific elements that are in the first one not not you yeah no the normies yeah in general i think that's though the nice surprise though for them is they're oh my god i forgot how pretty violent this is and pretty rough and Oh, that's legit scary, and that's the beauty of everything. Because he he melds everything together from the John Williams score, from Dean Cundey's lighting, which is always a nice. You're like, oh yeah, Dean Cundey shoots this, of course. <laughs> to the the blend the blending of the CGI Tippet. and the practical. Yeah, throw, the, throw on Tippet in there. Oh, yes, it, this this is the movie that that go, that, yeah. that birthed uh, a meme that comes up every single year for Raptor Wrangler. Yeah, you had it's... one job, Phil. You had one job. <laughs> you well, know, so but I think like uh, when we were talking about the the horror elements and the in the sequels and moving forward, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, they're still there. It's still genetically, scientifically created dinosaur creatures eating people. Mm-hmm. You know, and so even if it goes, it's kind of like Chucky. Yeah. It's still horror, even if it goes into comedy, even if it goes into like, or later on goes into like remakes and adventure or all that. However, you want to define it, it's still genetically created dinosaurs eating people. So okay. I think that's another reason why people are like, oh, okay, well, it almost becomes when we're six movies in, mm-hmm. 
we forget that, oh, yeah, it is a horror franchise. Yeah. And so, oh, it's more action. Because now, Fast and the Furious, oh, yeah, it is a racing franchise. It's a drag racing franchise. Even though now they're in space, they're fucking hitting other cars with bank safes. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's still about people racing. They're, they're, they're taking down international terrorists when they themselves were, were stealing TV, DVD, DVD players. combo players right. to begin with. But it's still people in fast cars yeah. racing the clock, racing each other. Well, so. and I think we'll get into this a little bit more when we go into some of the criteria with yeah. this, but I think that's I've, I've the got, beauty. I, yeah. I've, got, I've got a question that yeah. when, when, we, when we get to the final one, I have an interesting question that I think might not necessarily sway people, but you guys like to show your work, so I'm I'm going to make you no, no, work, work for one well, of your work. Let me ask you: Do you remember your first time viewing Jurassic Park? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because because of that weird space, right? We were we were in uh, Seattle at the time, and my grandma uh, was was visiting, um, and oh. we were we were. It was one of those where, like, she was spending one day with my younger brother and one day with me to go out and do stuff. And she really wanted to eat at this very, very nice um, restaurant in uh, Kirkland, Washington, that's literally right on Puget Sound. So, like, she wanted to eat outside so that we could have this nice meal. And she's like, okay, if you come with me and we eat this meal, then we can do whatever you want afterwards. And I said, okay, I want to see Jurassic Park. And my grandma's like, "Is your mom okay with you? You you see that? Because I'm I'm ten at the time, so it's still in that it's PD thirteen. So it's still in that, yeah. And so my grandma's like, "Well, what is what what did what would your mom say about this?" And I go, "Well, what would your mom say about you taking me to this really really nice fancy meal for lunch?" And she goes, "All right, you got me there, kid. Okay, okay. There we go. So we nice nice play. And so we went to go see Jurassic Park and." My grandma got up and left in the middle of it to sit in the lobby because she was scared, and it was too loud for her. So that's a so I was so I was there by myself to watching watching the rest of it. So yeah, it definitely made a mark. But having no one else and being because it was like it was an early afternoon show, mm-hmm. like the first week that that it came out, it was like a 2 p.m. showing. So there wasn't a ton of people yeah. on the weekday. So I had the row like to myself so all this stuff is going on and i'm looking around <laughs> excited just like is everybody seeing this is everybody seeing what's going on so yeah i definitely remember the first time i saw it she so, ran away she left us she, she left, left us, us. <laughs> we so, well because the the place that, that we that we that we went to like uh, the nice seafood place had bravo. um oh, what's it called I, i'm not i'm not sure how to explain it because i've never seen it anywhere else but I, w- I was like, I don't want to get something expensive, so I'm going to order off the kids' menu. And the kids' menu came with a toy. Ooh. And the toy that it came with was a hard rubber lobster. <laughs> so so that was my companion yeah. for the rest so of you're the holding movie. On. So Nate. I'm just holding on to it. So you've got this 10-year-old kid that's getting really excited waving this fucking lobster in his hand in the theater. It's a Lobstosaurus Rex. There you go. Man, sea that's, dinosaur. That's genuinely that's joyful. That's, yeah, that's a wonderful. wonderful first time. Hey, you know what? <laughs> that's another argument for people like, well, it's not horror. If it can scare a grandma out of the theater, it's 100% horror. But my grandma walked out of uh, Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me when she was with my mom, uh, waiting to pick me up from a summer camp that I was coming back from. 
in Salina, Kansas, and they're the only thing that was open at the time was a movie theater, and all they were showing was Austin Powers' Spy Who Shagged Me. So my mom got to have the, the Jurassic Park experience with my grandma for that movie. God, that's beautiful. God damn it, that's beautiful. Now I'm just picturing a T-Rex. Doop, 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 doop. Boop, 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 boop. Boop, 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 boop. He's got the big glasses on. Oh, behave. Oh, man, that's... Okay, it's a, it's a very dorky side tangent that, that I'll, I'll just mention here for two seconds if anybody wants to see it because it... Oh, no. That that joke in a way did come over for the um, recently defunct within the last couple of months uh, return of G four. Um, they their last episode was in October, and so they were they were because it it the the show was live first before they had the truncated one. So they were trying to get people to stay the whole time because they were mentioning oh we're going to have a Michael Myers uh, mask reveal, and they had all these people who were. You know, disappearing during it and everything. And so the joke that they made, of course, was when Michael Myers took off the mask to reveal who he was. It was Mike Myers. It was Mike Myers as Austin Powers. So instead of going around and slashing people when the people would be gone around and killed, they would turn into Austin Powers. So literally the the last final image of the show, the last 30 seconds, is the last cast member being killed and turning into Austin Powers and them doing the Austin Powers dance to the Austin Powers music. Oh, my God. After Michael My- Michael Myers kills them all. That's... Why not? That's commitment to a bit. Yeah. That, that that, is... that, that's what I'm saying. You made the joke there. It, it ties it all around to horror. So. Well, and now looking back, because that was a movie, Jurassic Park, I saw multiple times yeah. in the mm. theater and at one point in the when one of my during my screenings I god I don't know why I remember this now there's the shot of Lord Dern after the siege after she's powered everything up she's got Samuel L. Jackson's arm draped over her, yeah and she sees Alan and she's just right over the hill there were some ne'er-do-well teens <laughs> in the audience and I distinctly remember this and my apologies it's a little blue but there's a certain angle, and she's wearing particularly kind of revealing shorts, and they go, nice beaver! And Did you say thank you? I just had it stopped. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only you had been there, good sir. But it was one of those things, I and just, you know, I hate re- we hate reactions, that kind yeah. of shit. But it was the levity, I think, it was probably like maybe the second time I saw it, but I needed that levity because I was so scared at that right. point. Yeah. That again, we we don't encourage that, that in the theater, but at that time in '93, it was like that's what you got. Mm-hmm. Regardless, it was another time, another, another place. place. Hey, <laughs> uh, so other thoughts on Jurassic Park? It's Jurassic Park. It's I I know there <laughs> yeah. I know there's plenty of times that that we say that with with you know movies on here, but it's it's Jurassic Park. Think think of how many times, and in, in the last thirty years, well, like even the last decade. That the movie has been reshown in theaters, like they they had the fathom events and shit like the, that. They had yeah. the the special three D version that they put out for a short period of time. Was that and, any good? Did you see it? I didn't. I didn't see it for that one. I have to assume you get that in IMAX occasionally. Yeah, they'll do stuff like that. Like and then the they had the four K or something when they yeah. when they did the cleanup restoration for the four K. They put it back in theaters for a week. But how many movies do you get that? Well, we're at the point where you know so many movies are getting transferred Spielberg. into 4K. Yeah, but I mean, it's Jurassic Park. You know that you can put it in the theater. AMC can decide, hey, we're having a special showing of this in the IMAX 
only this weekend, and people are going to go see it yep. because it's it's one of those movies. It's Jurassic Park. There's a reason why they spent the last decade making new legacy sequels <laughs> to it because it's uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah. It still holds up. Yeah, still, yeah, it's a pleasure to revisit. And I'm glad also, again, getting the journey it's taken and its inclusion. It's just we always... From having well, talking Jaws on the main feed, mm-hmm. talking Duel on the main feed, to the point I th- I could argue War of the Worlds we could talk about on the main feed because <laughs> there are some terrifying sequences in that. That's another movie that within the last handful of years people have been established, been going yeah. back and and, oh, and looking at. I mean, yeah. you want to oh. talk about horrific scenes? All the people who are being vaporized in the first twenty minutes That's, when he's yeah. running, and even I'll, I'll throw. Th- Tom Cruise throwing a baseball looks like an alien. Like, there's just so much weirdness <laughs> and horrific stuff. No, it's, I love going back to Spielberg's catalog, but it's specifically yeah. this one because of the Cundy, the Winston, all the character actors, and it's just that theatrical experience with yeah. your grandma. You know, just there, it's, there's, there's so many quotable lines. There's, there's so many images. I mean, everyone knows the theme music too. Mm-hmm. It, John Williams is just, he is such the secret weapon with Spielberg. You know, mm-hmm. that collaboration, it's, there's just those, it's the collaboration. It's allowing yeah. all these heavy hitters to come together. No, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Remind me to show you off, Mike, the uh, video tribute I made to Jurassic Park. Oh, I remember God. that. I remember that, the Moon Marble days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I distinctly remember that. Now, something I'm curious to see as well, if you saw this in the theater, but uh, Adam Marcus's Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday. Nope, didn't catch it. In the no, <laughs> that 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 ten year old self. That no, that no. is fair. No. That is fair. But now, a couple a couple years uh, later, um, managed to to snag it from uh, lit video library. So so I did. T- I think it was like ninety five, ninety six. Okay, I was able to rent it. So, so. it was on the radar to watch eventually. Oh, yeah. At, at, at a young age, so yeah, and I think I'm, it was this. I want to say that it was the second. Okay, that one that you saw Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, saw? okay. I, I believe it was the second one that I that I saw. Well, wow. you've I know you've been on. We did a Friday two commentary together. Yeah, and it, but that's been a long, long time. time ago. What what is your relationship with the Friday the Thirteenth franchise? I I love them. I've got okay. a soft spot for them. It's they're they're ridiculous. They're over the top. They're 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 definitely stupid throughout, but when you when you think about slashers, there there's at, at, you you always think about that. Oh, Wh- yeah. Whether you're somebody who likes Friday the Thirteenth or not, whether you're somebody who likes the Halloween series or not, if people say slasher films, you the, think Jason. You you think Jason. You think Michael Myers. Yeah. You think Freddy Krueger. You know now now they all. Inhabit different spaces when it comes to slasher, but you think of them when when you say slasher. You think of those those icons, those faces. Of course, in the last, oh my god, oh. we're almost on thirty years too oh, yeah. for for Ghostface. But yeah. th- those are those are the images that you think of. You think of those those icons, the the, the Mount Rushmore of of horror franchises. You, you think of them when, when you say slasher. So. Well, and knowing how versed you are in horror and genre, yeah, I never make assumptions about what people really they're, like, dislike, you know, full depth. They're, they're a warm blanket, even yeah. if you don't necessarily like a couple of them. I think anybody out there who, who says that they're a fan of horror can look at least one of the Friday the 13th movies and, and says, I love this film out of the series. Yeah. Even number five. 
So that being said, since Jason is such an iconic figure, <laughs> how do you feel about the movie where Jason is nary around? Uh, see, it's uh, I can't remember who said it, but there's somebody years ago. There was a, a a film critic who made the comment and said that um, if you if you take the name of Jason out of of the movie and you have it be a standalone, then it's a fantastic slasher and possession. Yeah. And in horror film, but you you put the name of Jason on it, and people have different things. But with with me being me, I I take the context yeah. of everything put into account, and that this is one of those movies that that's what we forget about. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of people that the context for this one is that this this while you do have the Sean S. Cunningham being involved in it, that this is a whole new ball game mm-hmm. when it comes to being a part of New Line Cinema and, and New Line grabbing it. For that famous final shot, so it, it's it's weird to look at in in the context of where it falls within all the other ones because you had a new system and everything that um, they're trying something completely different. Yes, and that that's why I mean, there's lots of people who want to say you know that five is different because of you know the the, the Roy connection the, exactly, uh-huh. but but this one is that definite odd outlier that in, in most horror franchises. You, you you have that one, that's one of these things is not like the other, and the, I I definitely think that Jason Goes to Hell is definitely that film. Well, when you exist that long, you, you have, have, to have to have some sort of yeah. ebb and flow Something. to variation, otherwise well, the this, stagnation. It, okay, it, it might be a weird example for some people, but it's the best that that I can think of when it comes to this and how people treat it. The Hellraiser franchise. Mm-hmm. You get to the point in the Hellraiser franchise where even let, let's bring in because we know that Mount Baldy is another, you know, uh, co-host <laughs> of the show, showing away uh, the the Die Hard franchise. Mm-hmm. That they get to the point after the first one that they're like, we're basing it on on books that don't have a John McClane connection, and we're putting John McClane in it. And you got the Hellraiser franchise where it gets to the point where they're like, we're repurposing other scripts, mm-hmm. and then yeah. we're putting hit, Pinhead in it. And that that's what this one feels like in a way is that you have that point. Where somebody's like, we need to make a horror movie because of the rights, and we need to th- th- just throw something in there. And that this one definitely has that feel about it. It is that odd outlier that even the next one, they're like, no, 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 we're 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 jumping back. Yes, we're going to space, <laughs> but we're reestablishing and we're acting as if that film never took place. You know what? I was thinking about something you said. I think that would be awesome if we took the name. And the whole like mythos of Jason out, mm-hmm. and it wound up being its own thing. I wonder how the world would take it then, you know? Because a lot of people are like, "Oh, it gets it gets the Halloween three hate." Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no yeah. Jason in it, so fuck it, you know? So I think if you took the name out, how it would play, especially if you made it like a surprise Evil Dead sequel. Like it kind of is, <laughs> it kind of is, you know. Yeah. So like out of nowhere, it's like, oh, surprise, you know. We I had these props th- laying around. I wonder how the world would look, or at that, at the horror world would look at this movie because it is one of the maligned ones. I, I think you'd have a an, a bigger cult following that it already has because it already has a big cult following, and so. But I think you you look at anything that like a vinegar syndrome or uh, terror vision or 88 films or you know any of these boutique blu-ray uh, and lots of the horror movies that they that they put out there you think of some of the possession ones that they have mm-hmm. in there and it's right up the alley sure. of this movie mm-hmm. and the difference is is that you you've got that 
of course, depending upon which version, you know, the, the gore that's in there that, Ooh. you know, yeah. Ooh, yeah, I forgot. Like I was watching because I asked ahead of time. Yeah. When you said, hey, we're watching these. I was like, are we watching the unrated or, or the original? Right. Yeah. Right. And like <laughs> I had to check at one point when I was watching it on Voodoo, I had to back out and make sure that I was watching the R because I was like, I didn't remember that the regular one had this much gore still i oh. did the same thing because i was watching it on the because i have the disc and yeah. it was like rated or unrated and i'm like well okay let's watch the uh regular rated. rated one and i was like damn this is violent <laughs> let, me yeah. go, let me go back is this the one is this the unrated no this is the regular one shit i forgot how violent this was it, it's it's a, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a different type of gore it's still yes. mean-spirited and violent with slasher but when you throw in the goo and the oh, body yeah. swapping and that element too that adds a whole different level of gore to your traditional slasher films. Well, they've been able to regularly bring in some titans of special effects to the franchise from Savini oh. to K, the N, and the B. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they are Separate operating together. Yeah, yeah, at just an all-time level in this from. The skewering in the tent. Yes, which either the theatrical. Pole. Oh my. God, that's what I, yeah, I forgot that they had the side shot when they're looking at him that you can still see the meat <laughs> on the inside. Unreal. It and, is unreal. And even the ungory kills are still fantastic. Like oh, when he gets your, my favorite one, the, when, the when she just punches her teeth right into the mouth. Simple, yeah. effective, and hilarious, you know? And so, like, it's a funny, funny movie. And I do think then because that... Unfortunately, with not all of it, but... <laughs> that's just it, though. And I think, Adrian, you mentioned the cult that's growing with this film. Yeah. It's always going to find the people... Every franchise is going to have that one film that is going to have its outliers, you know, the people that decree it, the the people that just dislike <laughs> it. But then, of course, there are going to be the people that defend it. And when they defend it, they defend it religiously and ferociously. And I think we even did a commentary for this. Yeah, and I'm telling um, you... I wish we got more Creighton Duke. Fucking Creighton <laughs> Duke is a fantastic character. And let's give a real quick shout out to film family member Rod. Fucking Rad Rod. Rad Rod from Iowa. Who pointed out that we missed out on this connection. A- another mea oh, culpa no. on this one. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Because turns out in the Twilight Zone, in the He That Shall Not Be Named segment... Stephen Williams shows up and confronts Vic Morrow. Yeah, and and in the the second you said that, <laughs> I was like, Why? it totally is. Yeah, and you know what he's doing? He's hunting vampires. That's what's <laughs> happening for somehow. He, he's been he's been fighting monsters. Creighton has been fighting monsters since the seventies. Since a monster <laughs> since a monster killed his folks back in the day. So so when was the last time that you actually? Probably watched this one uh, probably two three years ago. Oh, okay, so not too yeah. long ago. Because I mean, we we've got what one to two Friday the Thirteenth every single year. There's like three this year. Yeah, and so I I, I usually try to do like mini marathons. So do like a three to, to to four of them. Yeah, you know, in in a, in a night, size. you know, to yeah. start it in the evening, have it end at like two o'clock in the morning because on the West Coast that's technically midnight, so you can. You can buy them in if the movies are, you know, 88 to, to 95 minutes. You can easily string a couple of them because you're just stopping at the credits and going oh, on yeah. to the next one. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean, this is one that I'm excited. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen this in a couple of years. And then just pop it in there. Now, I want to go back to Stephen. He was on Supernatural, too, right? 
I know he was on Twenty One Jump Jump Street. Yeah, I well, I'd never. I don't know if I need to get my horror cred card well, keep, revoked. Keep, keep talking I was for a second. In, I wanna... No, no, that's just the thing though. He has been around genre and TV yeah. since the I think the seventies into mm-hmm. the eighties, and he is one of those character actors. And I think it was his decision for his look to that whole kind of just fucking bounty cowboy hunter. out. Yeah. He would show up on an episode of Renegade yes, and be he Renegade's would. buddy. Yes, he like, would. He, he is that level. He's another one of uh, Walker's Texas Rangers, probably, from another side of the state. Like We need a spin. We have talked about it from the get-go. We needed a spin-off series, like a Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Mm-hmm. We needed one. We need like a Simon and Simon with Creighton Duke and Keith David. I'd watch that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd watch that. Yes, he, he 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 was on Supernatural and he played uh, Duke. <laughs> well, no, kind kind of in in a way because he was he, his occupation was he was he was uh, a hunter. He was one of the professional of, of the hunter? of the family of family that friends. That has to be a so, nice little reference. So there. so there's a, there's a chance that we could in your mind you could easily say that it was <laughs> Creighton Duke who who had to change change uh, his name or had an alias basically. He had to regenerate, kind of like the doctor. <laughs> that, but that just speaks to then. Ideally, there are a number of people now that are making movies yeah. that grew up with this film, and it has a very special place in their heart. Like, wait, Stephen Williams available? Oh shit, great and new. <laughs> and that brings me joy because I guarantee you, there's so many people that are either rediscovering the movie mm-hmm. or because of its reputation. They've skipped over it. Well, because even people who haven't seen the movie have definitely seen the GIF of the line from the movie. Oh yeah, where you snapping the fingers about the hot dog and the pink dress. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. There's. <laughs> wait, wait. I'm going to say two words to you, and you tell me what comes to mind. Jason Voorhees. Think of a little girl, in a pink, pink dress, dress. sticking <laughs> a hot dog, dog. In a donut. It's and then, and then no, fo- and then no follow like, up. What? Okay, no, why not? It's oh, that's gonna cost you. <laughs> Snap! Everything about this film, it's kind of tongue in cheek. Oh yeah, it's very much commenting on itself in a way. It's a snake eating its own tail, and yeah. it's lovely. It's it, making fun of the franchise before it making fun of how ridiculous it is right now because it's goofy, let's... and it's like. Making pe- and making people shave each other. No, no, no. Gen- genius. We we need to call it what it is. It's a worm demon. Yeah, that's yeah. eating itself. It's a worm deadite demon that's eating <laughs> itself. And I'm telling you, I think the first twenty minutes is probably the most perfect distilled yeah. version of a Friday the Thirteenth movie. movie. Oh yeah. Well, it's because that's what a normie thinks of. When they think of Friday the Thirteenth, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what. Oh yeah, there's some woman, some naked yep. woman in the woods. <laughs> Jason comes out and kills him. Yeah, yeah. and, it's and like, then oh. and then it has the, the as many times as I've seen the movie, it still has that little moment that throws me at the beginning after they've killed him and everything, and they have the one F, or FBI or whatever agent. Grenade. Who, well, no, but who who looks straight down oh, the barrel yeah, of the camera yeah. and says, "Okay, clean that up," and you're like, what? "Dude, you couldn't have taken another take on that one." Now, Looked but, off to the side, maybe? Between the the mortician there, there, that's working there. Um, from from Rocky Five. Yeah, mm-hmm. which, yeah, goddamn. Touch me and I'll sue. <sighs> sue me for what? <laughs> to just the inclusion of Kane Hodder, to mm-hmm. the body swapping. This is one of those films a la Shocker and a la The Hidden that I think would make yeah. a hell of a triple feature 
Oh, oh. <laughs> oh no! I, cut that I, out! Cut that out! Timestamp! Cut I, it out! I'm just gonna say I'm still I'm still a high, I'm still standing behind Nerd Wiener myself. I, think <laughs> I like Nerd Wiener too, but that's a very viable. That's a, it's. What, I mean, what, hey, technically that's some Squidly Diddly. That's some, There's a some, lot of that, each of that, those have Squidly Diddly in a way. That's. <laughs> Here, here's the thing I'm going to call out a film family member uh, we've got a film family member on Patreon our film family member Lauren who um, had a, a chance to wear a costume called whore ass pinker sexy horse pinker it's, they're going to have sexy Freddy sexy Jason might as well have sexy we're going to call you to it, to it Lauren you got to make this happen because that is just the most brilliant thing ever yeah it is do the shocker <laughs> I got the move. I just got to figure out what he's going to say. It's the shuffle. It's the shuffle. It's the horse pinker. I think actually it would have to be a, hey, what the fuck? Yeah. Come on, you fucker. <laughs> and question, would you yeah. eat Jason Burger? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, they said two, two for one. Two for the price of one. It's smart. You make the face. You have yeah. excess. Uh, I don't know. This was just... It's nice to go back to. I would eat a Jason Burger all day, especially if it was cooked by uh, Leslie Jordan. Let's rest. May rest in peace. Oh, rest in peace. Which was also kind of a when he was still with us when we did yeah. the commentary, and mm-hmm. then by the time this rolled around, it's like when, oh my when God. I saw him, yeah, it felt like oh. God. I, it's, but that's also now people when they go back to this film, they go, "Oh my God, are you kidding me?" Poor Leslie Jordan was in a Friday the Thirteenth movie, and Poor then even Pookie. going Stephen Culp. Stephen Culp's in the movie, man. Yeah. Steve, well, gosh, I'll even go further back to Aaron Gray. And you got to be a particular age to know Buck Rogers. Yeah. So this one is definitely touching a number of age ranges. Yeah. It, it, it's it's one of those where they're 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 literally just flipping through the the New Line Cinema uh, cavalcade of of stars catalog and seeing who's <laughs> who's available for for a few minutes in the movie. No, because there was no Lynn Shay. Because she was probably making like four other New That's Line true. Cinema movies she, at the time. The schedule wasn't working. She could have stopped in. Rod. She was the first She's one there. there. She's there, Robert. You know? <laughs> wow, on, Lynn. That is, yeah, that's actually now. That's just actually kind of just skewed my whole pers- experience <laughs> of watching that now. Oh, but if, if, she, had, if she had been uh, the, the, the diner owner. Oh, yeah. That's per- well, uh, actually, I do like, what is it, Rusty Schirmer in that? She's yeah, quite Rusty good. Rusty Schirmer is pretty good in that. Yeah. If she was maybe one of the waitresses at the diner. Hell, she could have been one of the teens, you know, that you know that, that <laughs> are going to go out Shea, and to, to right? you know smoke well, pot Lynn, and have premarital Lynn, sex. Lynn, Lynn Shay goes and and uh, and she's one of the people who gets possessed. What's the matter with you, Harold? Right, and then like oh, like she just gets ra- randomly killed by like. I think I think my favorite <laughs> scene in the rewatch that I forget every every single time is when they they have him in the weird like feels like it should be a shot out of. Uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw or Nothing But Trouble when the guy's strapped on, on the table and he's got the the, the belt so that he's doing everything. But then he goes and shaves him and you're like, why did he shave him? And in the next scene, he doesn't have the facial hair. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. So, so in your mind, you were like, oh, no, I don't want to go in and get that close and... <laughs> and get have our have our whiskers touch. You know what? Maybe the worm doesn't like likes a smooth entry. No, because the because he, the coroner's got a mustache. He, he hates when he ain't been shaved. He, he took it. He took it. Uh, but I, but that's the, that's book. the moment because you see him lathering up, and the guy's like, "Oh God, no, no!" And then he just starts shaving him. And the next scene, he doesn't have any facial hair, and you're like, 
We maybe, have? maybe Jason's picky. Maybe he's like, you know, I like the cut of that guy's jib, but I don't like the facial hair on that <laughs> guy. <laughs> if I'm gonna be rocking it, I gotta be. I'm styling him profile. Next thing we know, what we don't realize, what we don't see, is like the montage of Jason in his new body, freshly shorn, and he's over there, like looking. He's got like the Miami Vice thing. He's looking the mirror. He's, doing, he's, he's looking in the tuxedo thing. Nah. He starts doing the the Saturday Night Fever walk down the street. Chuh, chuh, ha, ha, staying alive, staying alive. Ki, ki, ma, ma, staying alive. He looks at his watch alive. and he's like, oh man, I've been strutting for the last hour and a half. I've only got this body for another 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, but, like, like he looks over, hey, ki, ki. It's a new person. He's all shit. <laughs> Next thing you know, starts all over. Like Friday the Thirteenth winds up being like Monday the Eighteenth because he's over there. Like I can't decide which one I want to be. It's like, a it's a deleted scene from Saturday the Fourteenth Strikes Back. Oh Jesus! Because he's been well. Think about it. He's been living in the same fucking body, all decrepit and dilapidated for like a thirty years now, he's, right? Yeah. Of course, when he like gets out and he has like his pick of the litter, he's like fucking gonna. Take his time and be choosy. Choosy killers choose jit. Oh, and so <laughs> and he's got to strut. And he's got to mama. He's doing the Jason. <laughs> and then we, we get to the that extremely dark moment that's also played for laughs that I always for, forget about. When you write as before you get Jason coming back and everything. Uh, and, and the, well, no, just, the, just the, the fact that you, that they're like, wait. Does it have to? Does the Voorhees have to be, have alive? To be alive or yeah. dead? And then they look over there. Then it pops out because you sit there for a second. You're like, "Oh, oh no, oh, no!" Yep. Yeah, it. At least we didn't see it. Yeah, well, you know that's that's yeah, why we watched. That's why we but watched he, a rated version, not the he, unrated version. But he he explodes out of there. So basically, he's exploding out of her body. Yeah, he Kool Aid Man's her. Yeah, or an extra. Yeah, yeah, one way or the other. That's but then then we get. Jason back. Yeah. Now he, now he comes back out when he comes out and he jumps out of the thing. He's like, Psh. <laughs> <laughs> I did the Travolta staying yeah, you, alive thing. You got to remember, no video. It's no, no video. video. <laughs> it's like, why is he on the microphone? That's weird. <laughs> it's genius. He's going to on the but microphone. But then we get right? some puppets. We get uh, dead actions, deadites. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get the fame. Now, at the tender age of 12, roughly? About 12, 12? 13 when I, when I saw it. Do video? you remember your reaction to the, the glove appearing and, uh, you know, the worlds colliding? It, it, it wasn't the the squee that I think lots of people would want to have. It was more so just like, what? <laughs> what? What? Because, I mean, that's that's it. You don't you don't get anything. And, I mean, that was back in the day when, when I was reading uh, Fangoria, Starlog, all that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... You you have that you've got the confusion, and then you're you're peering through because we didn't have the internet like we do oh, nowadays. No. So you're you're there would be times that I would go to uh, the Borders or Barnes and Noble because I couldn't buy all of them, but they would have those magazines, and I'd go through and I'd flip through to see if they had anything yep. that was on it, and that's why I remember being. So excited when they did mention finally that there was going to be a Freddy versus Jason movie. Like I was, I was excited and like I I was living in Chicago at the time and was in the process of like you know trying to de- develop new college friends and stuff like that and was bonding over horror movies with them and stuff and it was like 
you know, when the first trailer came out, I'm like, I don't know if anybody's excited with this. And then like a couple weeks before it came out, a friend of mine's like, hey, I want to do a marathon of watching like all the movies we can fit in before the midnight showing of it. Oh, and the, oh. and, but there was only one place in town that had it. And it was like the shittiest, crappiest um, on the south side of Chicago. So you had to make a trek and it was very colorful characters and, and stuff like that. So like, that's what I remember is being like, finally, after all these years getting to see it in a, in a theater. So like it, 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 it made going to see that movie more exciting, but sure. that in between was, was, was yeah. crushing because yeah. you wanted something. And that's why I had the hunt. Cause I'm like, I want to get to this. And right. Need a, need a bit of closure. Need a yeah, bit of closure. Yeah. Well, the closure we're going to get is we've given a lot of love to both of these films, but only one is going to be able to represent 1993 in the round of the Frightful Four. And here in the round of the Hateful Eight, our first bit of criteria, it's, it's a little bit more abstract, uh, but we're asking to create a definition or define a dis- an aesthetic that you can find throughout the horror world in the year of 1993. And then based on that, which of the two films fits it a little bit better? So, Adrian, would you like to get us started? See, it's it's difficult. Because mm-hmm. if I'm thinking of 1993 horror, it, we're, we're in a weird place when it comes to horror. And what we're defining as uh, what's coming out in the theaters. you know, And I think that's what people forget. There's, there is plenty of horror that's coming out. But when you think of like that mid-90s period, and you think of horror... There's three letters that you think of. Can you tell me what those letters are? Of the three letters of horror in the nineties? If you if you think of if, if somebody says to you, you know, horror in the nineties, mm-hmm. there's three letters that come to my mind. I'm lost. D T V. Direct to video. Oh, yeah. And when you're thinking of that mid period in the '90s, you think of there there are movies that are hitting the theaters. Uh huh. But you you think of that period in the '90s when people are going to the video stores and stuff like that. You had lots of horror that was direct to video. Yeah. Uh huh. And you're like, oh, I gotta seek this out. I didn't know. I have no idea what this movie is. And the weird prism that you think of that through. Jason Goes to Hell feels like one of those movies. It feels like one of those direct-to-video films that you'd find mm-hmm. yeah. that might have had like a smaller release somewhere and then it ends up on, you know, in, in your in some blockbusters and video libraries and and family video and stuff right next to like The Dentist. Yeah. And stuff yeah. like that. And, yeah. and whatever Charles yeah. Band was putting that's, out at the time. You you think of the aesthetic of of the movie. Where you do have really good gore effects and stuff like that, but like the way it's shot, the way the movie runs along, it feels like a direct-to-video movie. Yeah, and so it, it's a weird prism yeah. to look at it, no. but in a way, it does have a a very much emblematic of that that mid '90s horror feel to it. So the vote goes to Jason Goes to Hell for for that one. I think I no, I'm I I I'd love Jurassic Park. No. But That's if I'm thinking about that time period, and you're you're thinking of okay, let's put let's put oh, it this way, subspecies, <laughs> yeah, kind of what I do. Yeah. But but you're thinking of that that cover mm-hmm. art uh-huh. box. Mm-hmm. Oh, is, is that going to match up directly next to um, what's called Jason Goes to Hell? Oh yeah, whatever Puppet Master is coming out at that at that oh, period yeah. of time. We'll get to him. Oh, is yeah. that is that is that cover? Oh yeah, looking the same. Oh yeah. So to me, when you're mentioning that, when you're thinking of that period of time, yeah. 
Jason goes outlier. to hell fits that 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 weird direct-to-video aesthetic or feel. No, I love it. I love yeah. it. And that's excellent showing of the work there. Uh, genius. What do you got? Yeah, I got to go similar to, similar to uh, what Adrian said. When I'm thinking the 90s, I'm thinking it's a, or especially early 90s, it's still kind of like the Wild West. People are tired of the 80s at this time, and they want to do something weird. I'm taking it to weird new places. So we, that's when we get weird <laughs> shit, like body swapping, like these things. Mm-hmm. People are like, we want to do something different. And yes, we get a lot of weird, different movies in the 90s. But Jurassic Park is such a loving homage to those old school creature features from the 50s that I don't think it fits into the actual aesthetic of horror. I mean, we're still having this debate, is it horror right now? (laughs) So for this criteria for the horror aesthetic of 93, I got to go with Jason Goes to Hell. Oh, excellent. And yeah, that's to, 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 to back that up. A movie that I know that you guys um, were talking about <laughs> recently Leprechaun. The Leprechaun. But I'm saying, but Leprechaun. Mm? Right. Ne- ne- Necronomicon. Yeah. Well, <laughs> dude, yeah. Well, boom, no. Boom. Boom. I mean, you can, you can see it. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, Outlaid. which, does it, which does it feel more, more like? Does it feel more like. Jurassic Park or Jason Goes to Hell. Oh yeah, even no. well, something like the the, the half. dark half. With, yeah. with it's all over. Yeah. Well, what is your man's vote, best dude? friend? So I'm looking at a variety, a plethora of horror sequels mm-hmm. that came out in '93. I'm talking Amityville, a new generation. We're talking Children of the Corn Two, The Final Sacrifice. We're talking Dollman versus those demonic toys. We're talking Warlock, the Armageddon. Damn right. We're Maniac Cop Three, Badge of Silence. We've got Puppet Master 4 on the other side, the demon. We talked about Return of the Living Dead 3, Subspecies 2, The Bloodstone, uh, Witchboard 2, The Devil's Doorway, Witchcraft 5, Dance with the Devil. Didn't know the differentiation between the two. That is 11. Think of the the theatrical in Army of Darkness. We have a shit ton of sequels in 1993, and they're all kind of hearkening back to the 80s heyday while begrudgingly moving forward into the inevitability of what horror would eventually evolve to into the 1990s. And Jurassic Park is that outlier with this matchup, looking at what was happening in horror in the 90s. So yeah, because of the sequelitis, my vote also goes to Jason Goes to Hell. Now, that being said, when we're doing Horrorversary 30 years from now, when we're (laughs) guest hosting... The question is, what is the episode title going to be? Because which of these two films, 30 years later, are we still talking about? See, that's, that's, that's difficult. And that's why I wanted to, to pose the, this question. And it, there's no right or wrong answer. But you guys both have notepads a- in front of you. <laughs> so so this, this is a simple question that I'm, that I'm going to ask. Lay it on we've, us. We've been talking about genre mashups mm-hmm. and everything. Genre benders, whatever you want to say. Put one, two, three on your piece of paper, and for Jurassic Park, put in, in order how you, you rank these genres when it comes to the movie. Okay. Sci-fi, adventure, and horror. Do, 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 do. All right. Do, we, do you have yep. answers? Okay. No. Jay, you go first. Horror, sci-fi, adventure. All right. Greg? Horror, adventure, sci-fi. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, oh, now do we get a readout of our results here? Well, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm an curious. Yeah, does that mean I'm a Scorpio? <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, your Mercury is not in retrograde yet, <laughs> but 
we're we're getting there. Well, no, because I mean that's that's what you're talking about. Yeah, what's going to be the lasting gonna, effect? Is yep. is you're, we're we're talking about which yep. of these is the overriding factor? Yep. If you automatically, without a doubt, are going to put Jurassic Park as a horror spot, then whenever you're thinking of that movie, that means that you're going in your mind to horror first, as opposed to to the other ones. Me, I'm, I'm the outlier in the group because I'm going to put science fiction first, just because we're talking about you know creating dinosaurs with dino DNA, <laughs> right? And and I'm going to put it there, and then I'm going to put horror and adventure tied for the second spot. When when I think of uh, Jason Goes to Hell, I'm going to put horror first, and then I'm going to put comedy, and then I'm going to put nonsense third. <laughs> but it's, it's so. But I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. I I mean, I'm going to let you guys speak your piece, but I think we've got our answer there because that's basically two two to one, you know, for for this one. But I think that's for for this and how we've been discussing this this movie in in Jurassic Park and how other people might might view it when you're coming to it. Where you put it now is where you're going to put it in 30 years because we're already 30 years from when it came out, oh, yeah. and this is where you're putting it. So that means that whatever time comes that you're mentioning Jurassic Park, you're thinking of of horror first. And we've already established that that Jurassic Park is is one of those immortal films that does not age. Yeah. It's always on the tip of everybody's tongue. People are always comparing movies to it. So automatically, you know that's that's your answer right there. So your vote's Jurassic Park. No, my 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 vote was was Jason Goes to Hell because when oh. when I'm thinking of the whole, of the, whole, the the one two threes of it, yeah, oh, okay. is that three is, is that magic it's, number? So your vote is for Jason Goes to Hell. Yep. Yeah, for for that one because Based it's on. it just because in my mind, anytime you're saying Jason Goes to Hell, whatever the the year is, or you're talking about 1993 horror, I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, that was a weird year. We got Jason Goes to Hell. That means in 2053 we will be guest hosting on <laughs> Jason Goes to Hell on Horrorversary. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That is locked and in. And Jurassic Park. <laughs> that is locked in. Genius. What do you got, dude? Jurassic Park. In thirty, if we're gonna be talking Jason goes to hell, it's gonna be like, yeah, yeah, that was that weird outlier of the movie. But people are gonna be talking about Jurassic Park, special effects wise, because they're still gonna hold up. They're gonna be talking about Jurassic Park because it is the beginning of a franchise, as opposed mm-hmm. to this weird fucking outliner in the middle of a <laughs> franchise, right? So we're still gonna be talking about Jurassic Park. Dissertations are gonna be written about Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Think pieces are gonna be written about Jurassic Park. Jason Goes to Hell is going to get a blurb in the big box set of everything because it's barely talked about now as in mm. when it comes to horror fans. That's fair. Right? So, yep. yeah, my vote is for Jurassic Park. So I'm looking at overall kind of the franchises because I do think we'll still be talking about both franchises regardless. Well, I mean, let's... No, you're fa- that's true. No, I'm not, no. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything bad. We'll, we'll, be, we'll, we'll be talking about Friday the 13th in some light. But it depends. It's just like everything else. We've had three uh, Jurassic Park, quote unquote, Jurassic World movies. Sure. In the last decade, the, we haven't had a Friday yeah. the Thirteenth movie in quite some time since the remake. But we do have one coming up with the Brian Fuller one. That series. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, anyway. but I mean, that's but that's that's going back. But that's what I'm saying is that it's one of those that when you get further away. From there being a film that's out, it's you only have like certain ones that might be talked about. Jurassic right. Park, we, we've had it recent enough that when you hit thirty years from now, the most recent one that that came out will have just been celebrating, you know, its 
20th anniversary. And I think right. it'll end up eventually gearing towards maybe a younger audience or the next generation of those that'll be yeah. having these kind of arguments Dr- Jurassic and conversations. Park, but, yeah. but, Jurassic Park is one of those movies that parents will show their kids. Oh, yeah. It's a passing you know, down. Right. Continually. Right. Throughout time. But there are those those that will pass down the Friday the yes. 13th. So please, finish, okay. your, please finish your justification <laughs> and please finish your vote. You have to pee. No. Okay. okay. I just want to. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Finish uh, your vote. I would say uh, it's. Uh, I'm going Jurassic Park just because. Why? Uh, because I think <laughs> of the franchises themselves. Uh, we're going to talk about the franchises. I think well into 30 years from now. But I think if we're looking at both of these, if again, if we're looking at the ones we're going to be talking about specifically from the franchises, I think everyone would say, yeah, you got to talk about the OG Jurassic Park mm-hmm. versus in Friday the 13th. You can make arguments of the OG Friday the 13th, part two, part four, part six of the ones that you want to talk about in the franchise. So, yeah, yeah by my vote, by that, I'm going to give Jurassic Park my vote. But uh, body swapping into the round of the Frightful Four and one I dare would say would be a... Well, a, my bracket is fucked. Thanks, Adrian. I, I think Fuck that you. bracket busted so many people, but you yeah! know what? <laughs> That's why we call it the madness. Yeah, so <laughs> going into the round of the Frightful Four, we have Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday. Damn, that is a Cinderella. I was not expecting I, Jason Goes to Hell to take 93. I went to the cover of Fangoria. I assumed we'd probably have a tie based on the 30-year split. I was shocked it got so much in that first... I thought I was going to be the only one voting for it (laughs) based on my definition. So I started, I was like, oh, 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 shit. What was was the cover? Uh, So Jurassic Park, actually, they both got two covers of Fangoria. Ooh. But Jurassic Park got two cover photos. Uh huh. Jason Goes to Hell got a they got a cover photo, but then the film thing at the bottom. Okay. So it would have gone to Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park in the view of a tie. So this is Damn. truly wow. an upset. I'm telling you now that the worm has gone into the Jurassic Park, and now we have like big T Rex Jason. Oh no. Oh yeah, that has to go into play. That has to come into effect. Oh, yeah. Man. This is this is like Eastern <laughs> Northern. Boston College adjacent. Oh, of has, like going to <laughs> yeah the... is 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 making the next round of the tournament. Yeah, they just took out the big baddies there now, and of course, this wouldn't be possible without the participation. Oh, and I would I'm say, so, I'm so sorry, world. I'm so sorry. All, all the all the Jurassic Park fans are going to be coming Damn, after dude, you. It's funny every time you come on, like there's, there's an upset or like 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 the... get raised. So, somebody somebody has to watch somebody Martyrs gets, because of me, right? like, who's damn never it. watched it before. We just finished watching fucking Hocus Pocus, and now I gotta watch Martyrs. We 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 leave the chaos with Jurassic Park because Adrian brings the chaos theory truly. Life truly. Uh, doesn't find a way. <laughs> so no, sincerely, dude. Of course, thank yeah. you for always doing this. Now uh, that means uh, joining uh, Sleepaway Camp in the round of the Frightful Four. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. Sleepaway Camp versus Jason goes. No 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 no. no, no, no. Oh, no. The winner of uh, next week's bracket, two thousand and three. Oh, we'll be going up against Sleepaway Camp. Oh, yes. oh okay. so so okay. which film from 2003 will be doing that? Well, oh we'll God. get started on a Monday. <laughs> so there, so. But 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 what you're saying is there's a chance that it could be Jason Goes to Hell versus Sleepaway Camp, depending on what happens in the rounds of the Friday. Oh Lord. my gosh! Yeah, yeah. The odds actually bring a lot of the I think the drama and a lot. Of good films and good discussions. And those will start this here on Monday. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Key, key, ma, ma, stay alive, stay alive. Key, key, ma, 
my staying alive. Demonetized. <laughs> <laughs>